And then we get into the training because we got to make sure that YouTube is keeping YouTube safe from those pesky disinformations from actual practicing medical practitioner, doctor guys. Yeah, YouTube's got to keep YouTube safe from the opinions of actual medical experts. But moving on, let's get into the training session, the training session, the re-education. Let's get into it. About the training, seven questions, 15 minutes. We want you to create and share your content confidently. In this training, you'll see scenarios related to the policy you violated. You have unlimited attempts to get it right. <laughs> I didn't even notice that it said that the first time. I have oh. unlimited attempts to say, I love Big Brother, to bend the knee, to give them the answer they want. I'm proud to say, I got all seven questions right on the first attempt. I the am. only problem, and I've brought it to YouTube's attention time and time again, I still don't know what portion of that 34 minutes and 56 seconds allegedly purportedly violated YouTube's terms of service as it relates to medical misinformation, but whatever. Uh -oh. I got all of it right on the first try because I am so SMRT. Policy training, question one of seven. In a video, a creator says that nobody in Jamaica has died of COVID-19 because it's an island nobody. and islands were not really affected by the pandemic. Is this a violation? <laughs> now, here's a little free. Let me, just, let me just pause it here. First, I'm going to give everybody the link. Embed URL. I think this is it. Um, if you haven't seen this video, let me, let me take myself out, do the proper introduction here. If you haven't seen this video yet, I did post it on YouTube and Rumble. That's the Rumble link. Ironically, posting it on YouTube. Look, this is, okay, let's back it all up to the beginning, people. I've been a good boy. I'm a good boy. I don't break rules. Occasionally, I swear. I've been told I swear too much, so I'm going to try to keep it cool. I'm going to cool. go back to the front door instead of the F, and I'm going to go shut the front door. All right. In my thousands and thousands and thousands, because I think it's literally up to 4,000 videos, give or take, on YouTube, I have received all of one warning per channel, uh, and one of the warnings was an interview I did with Dr. Francis Christian on the street interview during the Ottawa protest, which was flagged as medical misinformation. Oh yeah, that's right. The other warning I got was on my main channel, my interview with Francois Amelaga, the Cameroonian Quebecois who was jailed for violating the COVID rules, the tickets, etc. Medical misinformation. And I tweeted out and I dare say kind of irritated YouTube. I was like, can you just tell me what part of the video qualifies as medical misinformation that whatever. All right. YouTube has implemented a new policy because hitherto or up until now, they would give you a warning, but the warning never goes away. So basically it's just like an extra strike. They give you a warning. We won't tell you what you did wrong, but we think you might've done something wrong. Here's your warning. Next time you get a strike. Uh, now I just totally lost my train of thought. Oh, that's right. Now they've changed their policy a little bit to allow you to take a re-education training seminar that allows you to have your warning removed if after passing their seminar, you don't break the rules like a naughty boy for another 90 days. So I did a whole video breaking it down yesterday because it's Orwellian Kafka-esque, whatever the hell it is, it's, it's ridiculous. But, and I forgot to put it in the video yesterday, I think that they're implementing the exact same protocol that Barnes and I worked into the Rumble Terms of Service, which are that, Certain, certain things have to lapse over time. There has to be a period of time after which warnings, strikes, they just, they just get erased, period. A year, I don't know, six months. I forget what the exact term we put on it was. There's that. There's also the idea 
that you can't retroactively flag videos that might not have been contravening of whatever the hell the terms of service were at the time later on. Uh, the Francois Amelaga warning that I got on my main channel for medical misinformation from the man who was jailed for, I forget how long, for violating COVID protocol, fined almost $100,000. That warning came three months after the interview. The warning of the medical misinformation from Francis Christian I think he might have actually been proven right in whatever he said during that interview. So their warning for medical misinformation as of February 2022 might not be medical misinformation as at, I have no idea what month it is. I'm looking at my computer, October 2023. It's all preposterous, it's all ridiculous, but the questions, and I wanna bring up one question in particular, because I was so flabbergasted by this question um, I didn't know what to think of it. Advice for anybody taking an LSAT. Let's just go to the question. It was about the shmushmortion. Uh, no, not the cell tower. Here we go. Was it this one? Was it this one here? Come on. Not Pablo. Was it Safia? Here we go. Listen to this. Listen to this. It's going to blow your mind what they throw in to their re-education camps on YouTube. Because in case you thought certain Shmushmortion procedures might be risky. They're telling you. Seven, Safia recorded a conversation with her friends where she claimed she became infertile after a chemical abortion using the prescription medications myfepristone, myfepristone, and Safia urged her friends to avoid chemical abortions or else they will also become infertile. Is this a violation? Ding, 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 ding. That's right. This example violates our policy because it promotes misinformation about the side effects of the chemical abortion method, which is deemed safe by health authorities. While we may make exceptions for content in which creators describe their or their family's firsthand experiences, we do not allow content promoting misinformation about safe abortion methods, such as telling others that they will become infertile after using methods deemed safe by health authorities. Now I did Okay, so I'm stopping it there. Safe. And by the way, just so this doesn't get a warning on YouTube, yes, that's right, that was medical misinformation. Uh, and you know that they're medical misinformation when they come out with these examples that are always categoric. Alls, don't do it, this will happen, definitives, whatever. But what a, what a peculiar example in their re-education camps to get you to conceptually internalize it's a safe and effective. <laughs> okay, anyhow, so that's what I did yesterday. Um, while the kids were, while I was solo parenting, going crazy all week. Holy crab apples on Friday. I had three kids out of school for whatever the reason, ped day or something, two friends with them. We went to a petting zoo. We went to Strawberry Girls, uh, this place where you can, you know, petting zoo and whatever. Life is expensive when you have, I, I, I'm the youngest of five kids. You take five kids to McDonald's, holy crab apples. You take five kids to a petting zoo, they want ice cream. Holy crab apples. All right, and by the way, I know I shared with you my um, shopping uh, faux pas, errors of the week, where I bought uh, gluten-free Annie's pasta, and then I bought vegan Annie's chicken strips. Like, these things were in the aisles with regular chicken strips and regular pasta. I forgot to highlight the other <laughs> blunder that I made. Also in the pasta section, I got mac and cheese, Wakanda forever version. <laughs> I opened it up and I'm looking inside. I was like, why do the mac and cheese look like that? I didn't realize I got, I got Wakanda. I, like, I'm not a pervert, but can we agree that they're highlighting boobies here in a way that's not normal? Wakanda forever mac and cheese. I'll tell you what. 
I want politics to be, to be out of my food. I have, uh, anyhow, um, I'm told it doesn't taste any different, but the pasta looks a little different. Whew. All right. Good evening, everybody. Uh, how goes the battle? We're going to see when Barnes gets here. It's, it's another week where it's tough to remain optimistic. It's tough to uh, be distracted by the stupidities of life like Wakanda Forever mac and cheese when the world seems to be burning. And our elected officials are the ones throwing the gasoline on the fire. Um, you know, we know what's going on. We're going to talk about it tonight because it, it, you can't not talk about it. But then we're going to talk about some other stuff because it also, you know, cripe at some point. I mean, people want to stop talking about it. But what, what a luxury that some have to not want to talk about the wars that are afflicting other parts of the world. The world is on fire. It's, it's gone from... Uh, Ukraine on fire to the Middle East on fire yet again. And when I say that our elected officials are bumbling idiots, corrupt buffoons who are, I don't know if it's accidentally or deliberately, gleefully or reluctantly throwing gasoline on the fire, they are. You appreciate the world that we're living in. Not so long ago, we were, and I say we, as in the Canadian government, saluting Nazis in Canadian Parliament financing, subsidizing, arming Nazis in another part of the world. The U.S. government, as we're going to talk about tonight, arguably, but not so arguably, financing terrorism. The U.S. government, arguably, but not so arguably, uh, abandoning billions and billions of dollars of weapons in a debacle, an impeachable debacle of a withdrawal from Afghanistan. And where do those weapons seem to be ending up you guessed it everywhere um and, and it's not like you know they're out of their they're out of their um they're out of their pay scale they're out of their competency scale they are we've got a drama teacher and i never held this against him because a drama teacher can still be a perfectly competent human being it just so happens that the drama teacher that we have as prime minister of canada has proven himself to be a woman groping yes you can look it up he apologized for it two times ethics breaching yes confirmed broke the conflict of interest act twice blackface wearing more times than he can count vitriolic awful scum of a human i forgot what the point of this sentence was we've got that guy leading canada and then we've got these other underlings they get elected so we've got no one to blame but ourselves this is melanie jolie ironically enough uh i won't say relying on her looks she's a uh, jolie in french means means beautiful and um i don't know other well, other than you know pretty smiles and nice photo ops what makes her competent for the job that she's um, adopting now? But when I say that her boss is a drama teacher playing dress up, and then it looks like she's a drama teacher playing dress up. This is her military guard, people. This is like when they're addressing the conflict in the Middle East, they've got to dress the role. And I have no doubt she went to army surplus and said, look, I got some serious stuff to deal with right now. Okay, I'm a very busy woman because that was her excuse for why they were so slow, uh, arguably, or why they were not all that fast to evacuate Canadians from uh, Israel and the conflict there. Remember the time when I was pressing Mark Garneau, the man who got elected in my riding where I ran for federal office, the astronaut? I was like, hey, Mark, nice that you're campaigning in this federal election. How many Canadians are left in Afghanistan? 
How many Canadians are left in Afghanistan? I kept on tweeting this at him like a pain in the ass because I am one. I can full-heartedly recognize it. Sorry, I took out the wrong person. I kept on tweeting it, Mark Garneau. How many Canadians were just abandoned in Afghanistan with that debacle of a withdrawal? I never got an answer from Mark Garneau, but I'll tell you what tweet did get an answer from him. When I said, everybody hates Justin Trudeau, even Mark Garneau hates Justin Trudeau. And then he had to protest a little too hard. How dare you say that? You keep my, my mouth, my, my, his name out of my, I don't, you keep your, my name out of your, something all the time. Um, Garneau never had an answer for how many Canadians were left in Afghanistan. When asked um, why Canada's response was seemingly slow to the crisis in the Middle East and getting Canadians out of Israel, her response, according to Black Locks reporting, and I didn't read the context, I didn't read the full article because it's behind a paywall, I'm a very busy woman, is what she said. Busy playing dress up. And I said this, this is, I'm, 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 I really want to know this question. Where the hell did she get this outfit and how much did it cost? Do you imagine like, we're, we're at, we're at, the world's at war now. And so Melanie Jolie has to go out and get the most Soviet looking brown shirt of a military garb to play the role. Where did she get it? I want to know first off and how much did it cost? Now, relying on the aggregate knowledges of the interwebs, if we look here, I am certain smarter people than me can determine where this came from based on the pins. Now, I don't know if it's fancy. I don't know if it's literally secondhand. How much did it come for? How much did it cost? Where'd you get it? And if anyone is wondering why I'm asking, I'm not trying to be petty and juvenile. Our country is being destroyed by an ethics breaching, woman groping, blackface wearing drama teacher and his incompetent underlings who think leadership is a question of playing dress up. They do, and it irritates me. All right, now, everybody. Oh, the flipping clock behind. I, whoever got that for me, I don't know. I don't know why it keeps um, dropping an hour. I don't know why it's supposed to be an atomic clock, and now I'm getting a little bit scared about atomism. All right. Good evening, everybody. Um, I hope everyone's not too frustrated. Standard disclaimers. YouTube, Big Brother. I took my class. I'm very good. I know. I now know that mephistazone is a safe and effective way of giving yourself the shmishmortion. Totally safe. And now, and, now, and now, because they made me uh, provide that as an answer, now I question and wonder, and I assume the exact opposite, but what do I know? I'm just a buffoon lawyer. All right. Cheryl Gage has a nice uh, $10 super chat, and then we're going to get to the rules, the, all the stuff, and then Barnes is going to come in. Question number eight. A certain Canadian doctor is later proven right. YouTube will A, apologize, B, remove strikes and warnings, C, just kidding, you still have to undergo re-education. I will have already undergone it. Cheryl Gage, thank you very much. Everybody, I appreciate all of these super chats, rumble rants. Bear in mind, YouTube takes 30% of that. So if you want to support the channel without also supporting YouTube, there's two ways to do it. One, there's three ways. Rumble rants on Rumble. Rumble typically takes 20% of that. Uh, the rest of the year, they're taking zero, and then they're going to go back to that later on uh, 2024. Better to support also a platform that actually supports free speech. The best way to do it is to go to vivabarnslaw.locals.com and um, for seven bucks a month or a discounted rate of $70 a year, there are tons of exclusive uh, goodies 
at vivabarnslaw.locals.com. And some people actually support us with more because they love what we do. There's a third way, and I should probably plug our merch more often than I do. Merch. If you go to vivafry.com, I uh, happen to have broken my wanted for president coffee mug, so I'm going to have to order another one. But I still got the shot glass on my desk. I keep saying to the kids, don't bring glass into my office, and then I do it, and then sure enough, it breaks. Hold on. Dude, I'm taking myself out again. Wanted for president. It's beautiful. Uh, So you can go to vivafry.com and get merch. But let's do this here. What's up with Barnes boy Alex Mercurius going full simp for Hamas? He basically... I don't know who that is. Oh, Alex from, um, Alex from, uh, geez, uh, the Duran. I, I have not heard what he said about it. Um, and I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, look, there's a, there's a lot of people with wildly different perspectives on this. And, um, and I don't know what he said, so I can't characterize it or accept that characterization as accurate. I say there is, there is nuance to this entire debate, but not when it comes to Hamas, just when it comes to the proportionate proper response that will actually potentially for once and for all resolve the problem instead of just contributing to the cyclical decades-long um, vicious circle of violence. Uh, but there's a lot of people taking some interesting positions out there on the interwebs. Uh, okay, now let me just go check out something here on Rumble. Um, Rumble is good, and let me go to vivabarnslaw.locals.com, and we are good on Rumble and Viva Barnes Law. Oh, Barnes is in the house. Um, okay, good. I had a couple more things. I will get to the rest tomorrow. I'll go live again later this week and touch on some of the Canadian stuff. And for those who don't know, we start live on YouTube, Rumble, and Locals. We end in, we'll do one or two subjects on YouTube. Then we end on YouTube, go to Rumble exclusively. Then after that, we go to vivabarnslaw.locals.com for the after party. We take the tips there, answer some questions, and have a great time. All right. And I haven't opened it yet, but a Hawaiian gin is on the menu for tonight. Okay. Barnes, coming in. Three. Uh, sorry, that was too fast. Two, one. Sir, how goes the battle? Good, good. What do you have over your shoulder? If I'm looking... Wait, don't, that looks like America. I can see the, the proverbial wang of America, the Florida part. Um, what book do you have, yep. Robert? Uh, it's a Kevin Phillips, the emerging Republican majority, uh, one of the great uh, political analysts and populist advocates over the past half century. He passed away this past week, so it's uh, in honor and recognition of him. And if you want to understand American politics, even though this book was a uh, published in 1969, written actually in 1966, uh, it's a great political biography of American politics going back to its founding. And it's, uh, he's, he's without question the greatest political analyst uh, in the history of the United States. Now, Robert, uh, I'll bring up the chat because maybe I, I look, I've heard all, well, we say like br- briefly what uh, the Duran's position is. <laughs> They're definitely more, I guess, yeah, more. Uh, uh, McCorris has not been uh, for simping for Hamas. So, in fact, he was very critical of what uh, uh, Hamas did. He just laid out the geopolitical circumstances and, uh, and and has been on other shows with people who voice a more of a Palestinian sympathizing perspective, uh, but he hasn't been on the Hamas side. So I think that's a... Uh, uh, there's some people who think that unless you're for everything that Israel is doing, that you're pro-Hamas. Uh, ju- in the same way that there's people that think that if uh, you're unsympathetic to the Palestinian political leadership, that you're just a token of Israel's politics. Uh, reality is most people are in between. 
the most people like our poll on our board uh you know the uh most americans similar to the people on our board overwhelmingly choose israel over palestinian but you have about a third or so give or take different times that are neutral on the subject in other words don't want us to be involved uh don't want us to be engaged it directly ourselves in there to make it worse uh but you know there's very few people in the united states outside of the left and the uh and and certain uh, muslim populations in the u.s and the western world that actually side with hamas uh, they, that that that's pretty small. The, there's more people that side or say they sympathize with Palestinians, uh, but that that number generally, uh, you know, the more people by a, and on our board it's by a 12 to one margin. They, uh, even within the Democratic Party, they still lean Israel, even though the millennial generation is the least pro-Israel amongst Democrats of of any group. But there's a tendency to polarize in this context that either you're uh, an Israel simp or you're a Hamas simp uh, when the balance of arguments presents uh, some difference between the two, I think. Well, we now know, I mean, I guess we know a little bit more of the original, the initial uh, terrorist attack and the delayed response or the time it took to get a response. Some explanations as to, you know, they were relying too much on the Iron Dome and neglected yeah. the portion above the fence and below the Iron Dome. Um yeah, guess- good, uh, a real good video on that by History Legends. I think he's a Canadian. Uh, I used to follow him before he started breaking down the Ukrainian war, and a lot of his analysis was was really apt. Uh, I think that uh, History Legends, I think, is the name of the channel on YouTube. But he did a real good breakdown on his explanation as to why he thought, essentially, Israel has become over-dependent on technology and surveillance, uh, and that the Hamas successfully exploited that overdependence, and he thinks that's the most likely reason for its security gaps. That uh, Israel has an advantage militarily, uh, historically, because of its technological edge, but it may have become overdependent on that technology edge, and I think that's why there's an internal debate currently in it within Israel as to the next steps beyond targeting Hamas as they have with the various air attacks and other attacks over the past week. Yep. Uh, there's a legitimate, I, it appears to me, debate within Israel about whether to go into a ground war in in uh, in Gaza. I don't think that's a well-advised idea, personally. I don't think doing what Hamas wants is probably a tactically savvy decision. Uh, and I think at least some are, are going back and forth on, on what to do about it. And then also credit to uh, Joel Pollack, uh, editor at Breitbart, who, you know, understandably initially reacted with anger at what took place. But has subsequently, you know, retracted some of his statements and clarified the uh, objective. So I think some people are taking a more reasonable position. I do think some people in the West are a little bit shocked to discover the degree of uh, Hamas sympathies within our universities, on our on our campuses, within the uh, Arab Muslim community, in places like Dearborn and the various uh, uh, Muslim migrant communities in in London in France and Germany and large parts of Western Europe. Uh, I think, you know, they thought that this was so horrific that there wouldn't be a bunch of people rallying to the Palestinian side on this issue. And yet, unfortunately, that's what we witnessed. Well, and I've been watching a lot of this. I mean, say I'm not pulling the both sides stuff. You can find a video of 
Israel supporters saying, turn it into a parking lot, you know, mm. annihilate them. In as much as you can also find, you know, people on the other side saying, uh, this was a successful military operation. I forget who the guy was and I forget where that was. Literally called this, knowing what it was, a successful military operation. But I've seen enough of the videos of these protests where there are people who, they're either lying or they genuinely don't know what actually happened saying, what what terrorist attack like we didn't we, we don't know the degree to which it was that i i don't believe you when you tell me these atrocities that they committed and then i wonder uh, are, are people living in their TikTok silos where they actually question the factual aspect of of what occurred last saturday and i and i i wouldn't be surprised if some do and and there's a great many people who don't know the extent of it think they were military targets because they might have been characterized that way because anybody who lives in a in the uh, on a kibbutz or in occupied land is deemed to be a military target so i think there's some people out there who actually genuinely sincerely don't even know what happened or think it was like a military outpost but you asked the question last week robert what is it the key bueno or key bono yeah What's 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 the actual word? Qui bono, qui bono, qui bono. Latin phrase. Who benefits? Who, who benefits? Um, have you? There are people who are going to say now, who benefits is either going to be Netanyahu as a political entity. Um, uh, you know, he's going to be a, he'll be distracted by this wartime uh, prime ministership, or the state of Israel in the broad sense. In that, if Netanyahu does what I think would be a mistake, and this is not out of sympathy for Hamas, it's actually just out of strategical having lived through this cycle. If it, people are going to say, if he goes in, evacuates or orders the evacuation of one million Palestinians, they're never coming back. They're never going to come back to that land. And so there are people who are going to say this is part and parcel of Israel's broader plan to expand into all of uh, the Gaza Strip or the occupied territories, knowing that uh, that's what's going to happen. And key bueno, that's going to be the answer to the question. Um, what do you? I mean, what do you make of the argument, or what do you say to the argument that? if they force evacuate a million people, go in on a ground war, that that land would ever go back to Palestinians. And it won't just be the land that they got in a war that they didn't start like 1967. Yeah, I think there's a couple of problems with the uh, blame Netanyahu assumption. One is by most Israeli observers that uh, that I follow, including Elon uh, on our own board, this has done very major damage to Netanyahu and Israel, uh, that the Israelis are, according to public opinion, blowing blaming Netanyahu for this. Uh, so I don't see how it benefits him in the near short term to put him in the conundrum of the, the dilemma of what to deal with Hamas, who uh, hides behind civilian targets to commit their terror. The second as to whether Palestinians would be forcibly evacuated, where to? The, 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 no, the, no, one, no one in the Middle East will accept him. So they're not going anywhere. So the, the, then the question is, what do you do? Maybe they move to the southern part of the Gaza Strip. Uh, you know, again, I don't see any resolution or answer. Maybe they can build a bit of a buffer zone bigger than what's currently present. I don't know. I mean, it's pretty small. The Gaza Strip. It's uh, Israel itself as a country geographically is pretty small. So the uh, it looks to me right now the only and this was Alexander McCorris who was the first to point it out. He said he wasn't sure that this is what happened. But he said you couldn't, you know, if you're looking at it from a qui bono analysis, the first initial beneficiary was Iran because Iran severed the Saudi ties to attempts to normalize their relations with Israel along the Abraham Accords that Trump had put into process. And 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 in fact, for the first time in, under this current Saudi leadership, they talked directly to Iran and Iran's on a current war against Israel tour. You know, it's, it's meeting in Qatar where the Hamas leadership is safely ensconced 
kind of odd that that's the case. Why is the U.S. never requested extradition of the Hamas leadership there? Well, you know, there's a lot of it. Well, why does Qatar uh, evade public scrutiny for their funding and support uh, and safe harboring of Hamas? Uh, it's a lot of their media networks that are heavily involved in this, maybe because they basically bought the Brookings Institution in D.C. and have bought a lot of lobbyists. People would be surprised at who might be a, a lot of high profile Republican conservatives are on Qatar's payroll. So the uh, maybe that's why there isn't much discussion of it. But right now, it looks increasingly like this was uh, Iran was the primary beneficiary of this. That does relate to our first case of the night, which we can discuss here before broaching over to Rumble. And that is the suit brought by Stephen Miller's America First Legal Group, which is different than some other groups that pretend to be America First but aren't really. Uh, this is an actual one that's brought a lot of effective, successful litigation. They sued on behalf of prior victims of terror uh, by Hamas and others in, uh, and, that have been paid by the Palestinian Authority. The suit is that the Biden administration, as soon as it took over, released half a billion dollars, $500 million, to NGOs whose money then, to, on behalf of the Palestinian Authority, whose money then went to Hamas. Uh, and that by their admission, some of it probably went to facilitate this terror attack. Problem with that is Congress passed a law after a soldier who was killed by one of these uh, terrorists. Uh, and the, the reason relates to Palestinian. This is the difference between the Palestinian side and the Israeli side in terms of political leadership. You won't find an Israeli document in current existence uh, committing itself to uh, rewarding people who kill Palestinians. Uh, the or kill Muslims. Instead, Israel is still the only religiously diverse group with Jews and Muslims uh, having a substantial presence in any country with equal rights anywhere in the Middle East, whereas Jews have been effectively expelled from all of the Arab Muslim countries where many of them had lived for had you know generations going back centuries. Uh, you know, Israel has about a 20 percent Arab Muslim population who has full, complete uh, protection and rights. By contrast, the reason for this, the Taylor Act prohibiting money to the Palestinian Authority or any other organization related thereto is because the Palestinian Authority has what's called a pay-to-slay program. That if you uh, murder an Israeli or someone simply visiting Israel, the act is named after a U.S. soldier who happened to be just visiting Israel as a graduate student, and the person who killed him and killed others was rewarded by the Palestinian Authority, you're given a lifetime salary. Uh, and the more you kill, the more you get. But it's not limited to soldiers. It's it's purely someone visiting Israel, someone uh, or someone who's in Israel. That's it. That's it. Doesn't matter whether it's a five year old or a fifty year old or a ninety five year old. The Palestinian Authority will write you and your family a check for life. The more you kill, the more money you get paid. Uh, somehow the Scott Ritters and Aaron Mates and Max Blumenthal's and Scott Hortons don't seem to mention the pay-to-slay program. It's uh, somehow absent. Uh, somehow there's some amnesia they start to suffer when they have to talk about the long, century-long historic commitment of the Palestinian cause to killing all Jews and expelling them entirely from the Middle East, which has been their sole and whole objective from the inception. That's why they've rejected every two-state solution that has come down the pipeline, uh, despite the various pretenses and pretext that may be offered by their apologist. Uh, so the, uh, but the, but the federal law prohibited 
the Biden administration from doing it. They did it anyway. Uh, America First Legal brought suit after this incident, uh, on the eve of this incident, maybe it was right after this incident occurred, and a federal court has ordered expedited discovery, saying just what they have so far is substantial evidence that the Biden administration violated federal law by giving money they to that they knew was going to go to the hands of Hamas and the Palestinian Authority that would be used for terroristic purposes, given both have refused to stop their pay-to-slay program. And so the... Uh, uh, it's a it's a expedited discovery has been ordered and we're probably going to get a lot more embarrassing documents. The Biden administration basically is directly culpable in funding and financing terrorism, including this incident that just killed 14 Americans and took many others hostage. It says they got it's the motion, yada, yada. Um, plaintiffs claim a recent production of records shows that the government knew its ESF funding in the West Bank and Gaza was benefiting Palestinian terrorists, thereby increasing the risk of terrorist attacks against the Palestinians and others similarly plaintiffs and others similarly situated. Um, and then let's see here, America's uh, so ordered. This was for. Um, sorry, what was it's the to order? Get expedited, limited Ex expedited. Uh, discovery related to the jurisdictional question to see if they violated the law. Given the initial evidence suggests they absolutely did. Now, but Robert, th this this segues into before we go over to Rumble, everybody exclusively here. I want to bring up the tweet um, from John Kirby. Let me just get my hand down here. Here it is. The tweet from John Kirby, where they're saying, "Look, we 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 have no evidence that Iran has any direct involvement in this, other than the fact that Iran funds Hamas at large in general." So, but whether or not they knew of this plot, that apparently we're now learning was two years give or take in the making, which makes it a lot more inexplicable that Israel wouldn't have had any human intelligence on this. And it makes it a little more probable that Egypt, in fact, did give advanced warning to Bibi several days before. Kirby says in a statement, National Security Council, oh, Kirby said last week, Iran had, quote, broad complicity, end quote, when it comes to Hamas due to their support for the terrorist organization, but that they had yet to see, quote, any specific evidence that tells us they were wittingly involved, I don't know what wittingly means, uh, in the planning or involved in the resourcing and the training that went into this very complex set of attacks that were carried out. Robert, when they deny it, now, I, now I'm just inclined to believe that they knew. But my response to that was, this is a self-serving affirmation if it turns out that the Biden administration has been directly or indirectly funding these groups, uh, directly or indirectly funding or releasing funds to Iran, and that if Iran had a hand in this directly or indirectly, so too directly or indirectly did the Biden administration. Tell me why I'm wrong. Well, and what's clear, and, and this money, by the way, doesn't relate to the Iran money. So that this is money that was going directly to the Palestinian Authority and Hamas visa uh, non-governmental organizations disguised as economic support fund payments, which Congress had specifically said cannot go to these organizations until there has been a certification by the Secretary of State, the Palestinian Authority has ended its pay to slay program. And the uh, and so they just violated. So this is more direct violation than the indirect funding of Iran. The I mean, Iran's touring with Hezbollah, meeting with Hamas, threatening Israel that they will directly intervene in the, in, in the conflict. Uh, and they're the first and primary profiteer from this. Uh, they were able to sever the ongoing uh, Trump-led uh, Trump originally efforts of the Abraham Accord to separate the royal governments of uh, Arabia from the, uh, from the more religiously driven governments of Arabia. And so, um, and again, Alexander McCourse was the first one to highlight that for me. I was unaware of the degree to which that conversation was taking place. 
And so the uh, uh, other Durant. And so and then I watched how uh, Iran started to profit from it immediately thereafter. It's like, well, for pure qui bono perspective right now, the only clear profiteer from this, we don't know how it's all going to play out. But as of right now, it is Iran. Um, there are a lot of Iran- Iranian sympathizers in the Biden administration. Uh, he controversially put some key people in positions of power that have a long legacy of saying nice things. Oh, you know, Hamas is not just you know, really a terror organization. They're this and they're that, all that kind of garbage. Um, and the yeah, 19 Americans dead, eight verified hostages. I mean, they, they killed everybody. They Not just Jews. They killed Israeli Muslims. They killed people who were visiting. They Filipino, killed Filipino nannies. I mean, they're, they're yeah. Filipino nannies. Oh, yeah, they, they kill people from all over the world. That That's who they are. That's who they've always been. Just read Hamas's covenant. I mean, you know, they're not bashful about this. All the Scott Hortons and the rest of the world just pretend not to read or listen to what Palestinian leaders themselves have said for more than a century as to what they plan on. There's a reason why the founder of the Palestinian movement, Al Husseini, uh, was aligned with Himmler and Hitler. He volunteered for them, wanted to work for them beginning in 1933, did work for them between 1939 and 1945 was their leading advocate, and Himmler wrote love letters to the guy, effectively. That's not a coincidence, folks. <laughs> so the uh, people just living in, and you know, you can say that at the same time, think that strategically there may be bad decisions made on their side, but there's probably the biggest bad decision has been the Biden administration. Biden administration thought they could get in bed with some of the hardliners. For what purpose, I've never fully understood. I didn't understand the Obama administration's approach towards Iran. Uh, I don't favor the neocons wanting to, you know, Lindsey Graham, let's let's just bomb everybody. The Babylon Bee headline read it right. Lindsey Graham says America should bomb every other country in the world <laughs> because that, that's who he is. But the uh, but that still doesn't. Right. Why would we be giving money? to? It, it, essentially, we thought we could buy them off is, is what it appears to be the case. And that has never worked. Um, and so I think that. Uh, but now but this case is explosive politically. Because if it turns out that they gave money to the Hamas organization directly mm-hmm. or indirectly and knowingly facilitated this aid. And then you go back into your first question of Quibono. Uh, I mean, there are Iranian elements that are pro-Iran within our intelligence service, within our State Department. Biden put a lot of them, promoted a lot of them. Um, they, they were starting to leak right away. Don't blame Iran for this. Uh, and now they may have been neck deep in this. Did some of those people have intelligence that they didn't share? Uh, because uh, Israel's intelligence is clearly limited as it applied. Whatever Mossad's reputation in the past, uh, its over-reliance on surveillance and technology has backfired, uh, as this incident revealed. They are way too confident that, that in that technology. They clearly had useless intel um, and, the, and great limits. And, you know, Egypt's warning was kind of a vague warning. Uh, the uh, in that regard, but Egypt probably has better intelligence than Israel does. But you know who else does? The Five Eyes have better intelligence than is as to activities outside of Israel. And so, did somebody in the U.S. intelligence uh, deliberately sit on this information because it might embarrass Iran? Uh, and now it turns out, or, or or were they all doing it to cover up the fact that they helped fund it, uh, and that they don't want to get embarrassed that U.S. tax dollars were used? for some of those weapons, for some of the tactics used, and for other things that are connected to the incident, given Americans died. The, you know, the Biden administration, he already drone-bombed innocent families in Afghanistan because he couldn't figure out who was who based on bad intel, bad information. 
uh, including U.S. allied individuals there. And now he may have done far worse. So th this case is a politically explosive case, depending on where the discovery goes. Uh, I'm just trying to Google while you say this. Why is it called the Five Eyes? I know it's it's five. It's Australia, Canada, New Zealand, United Kingdom, United States. Why are they called the Five Eyes? So it's just that there's five open the eyes. They, they have eyes around the world. Okay. Um, and let me just bring this one up here the, for the other perspective on the qui bono. Oh, and is, a little is, tidbit. The Five Eyes is how they laundered Russiagate in efforts to uh, do spygate against President Trump. So the high-ranking participants in the Five Eyes in Australia and the UK were deliberately, knowingly, completely involved in the conspiracy to prevent President Trump from being elected and from then from derailing his presidency while he was president, including efforts to derail the Abraham Accords going on here. So you've got people that aren't on the Israeli side that have a lot of positions of power in the Western intelligence branch. And I'm just, I'll make the, the prediction just based on the fact that they've made a statement and they're liars. Iran, uh, ha they have evidence that Iran was involved and they have evidence that they knew that th there was intelligence that they had that is going to come out because when they come out and say, well, we don't, they've been lying every step of the way they're lying now. That's my prediction. The qui bono, Robert, Israel was on the verge of a civil war before the attack due to the government wanting to remove judicial oversight. Not really. I mean, there were multiple efforts to create political turmoil concerning those efforts, but that was going to be resolved between the parliamentary branch and the judicial branch sooner or later. The, the, there was, and in fact, that had been de-escalating rather than escalating on the lead up to this. So that's mostly overstated and exaggerated. All right. And now I'll just bring up these last two chats before we head on over to local uh, to Rumble. History Legends does the best Ukraine battlefield coverage. His Israel Hamas stuff is top rate as well. History really Legends. Good. Yeah, completely. I mean, he just does his ability to do independent military analysis without buying into propaganda is really impressive. Uh, the you can you, you, whichever side you're on, you can get a pretty good. And he's been predictive in his accuracy, in, in particularly as to Ukraine. He was the one that explained what he thought the Russian strategy was before the summer offensive began by the Ukrainians. Said the Russians are just going to sit there and swallow them up, and you know recreate the Battle of Bakhmut just along the entire front, and just consume Ukrainian equipment and people, and that not much will budge in terms of the line. That's exactly what happened. Uh, right. And so the uh, in fact, they admitted this week that the uh, counteroffensive is already over and it was clearly uh, obviously unsuccessful. Right. So I the am, you know, I'm now subscribed to History Legends, Robert. Um, all right. And we'll go to last one. Yeah, we, if somebody knows him, I would love to have him on a sidebar. He'd be I'll, great I'll sidebar. He's a Canadian. So. I'll, I will be able to find him and reach out. I'll, we'll get this done. Passion Moyer says, isn't it ironic that YouTube prohibits you from giving medical advice while doing so themselves? Maybe they should block themselves. Well, on that note, and it's the perfect one, we're going to leave YouTube and go over to Rumble. Here's the link one more time, and uh, I'll get to the Rumble. I'll, I'll, I'll briefly give over the uh, topic. Oh, yeah, please. Transition over. So, yeah, we're going to be covering, there's a lawsuit challenging the PrEP Act, which gives immunity to vaccine manufacturers over the COVID vaccine. Uh, challenge that the law is unconstitutional as applied to the COVID vaccine context. We've got uh, trans bathrooms and locker rooms issues in court. We got drag queen story time in court. We got Chevron, the doctrine that empowers the administrative state, two major cases taken up by the Supreme Court. We got Georgia election law in court, uh, Trump's ballot access in court, TikTok sued in another, uh, another effort to basically take apart big tech's power. Logan Paul's fiance sues the boxer that just recently got whooped by Logan Paul for various uh, revenge porn allegations. 
Uh, the Trump classified document case, a good white paper from America First Legal. We got uh, fed another federal judge decides that Washington Post can lie and libel about Robert Malone all they want. And uh, they get, gave immunity to the Washington Post for suit. And we got a big win in the vaccine mandate context on two fronts. Big one is the First Amendment case. The other is a big attorney's fee that the check the government had to write for the people to fee those that lawyers that led the effort to defeat the federal vaccine mandate. All right. And with that said, everybody, let me see. Is this a link one more time to rumble? We're going to end it here. So that, let me just, oh, there's 2,000. Let's wait until we get under 2,000 and I'm going to go end it. And of course, and, if you want to do a tip, we'll have an after party at the vivabarnslaw.locals.com. All $5 tips will be answered. Yeah, you know what? I'll send that link here one more time before we leave. This is Locals, people. vivabarnslaw.locals.com. And we are ending it in three, two, one. Ah. Oh. We just, it dipped below 2,000, as I said it, Robert. So now my OCD has been satisfied. Um, okay, hold on one second. Oh, do, I'll do the rants in a bit. What do we start with um, now that we're on Rumble? Uh, the Robert Malone uh, WAPO case. Okay, so, so Malone was suing uh, Washington Post. He's suing a couple of other doctors simultaneously as well for defamation. Uh, you know, the, the standard stuff. I, haven't, I hadn't been following the suit, uh, but, I mean, you'll tell me, Robert, this judge sounds like a... I guess they, the judge sounds wildly partisan. I don't know who the judge is or what the history is, but the judge didn't slap Malone with, um, pun intended, because it's an anti-slap uh, argument raised, with the legal fees for the Washington Post, but said that if he continues with his defamation lawsuits, someone somewhere down the line might consider his lawsuits to be frivolous and uh, worthy of being um, imposed uh, you know, legal fees for the other party. Sued the Washington Post, and the judge basically says this is a first, they're exercising First Amendment rights on an issue of national importance, COVID, et cetera, et cetera. Therefore, um, slap provisions or the anti-slap provisions apply, and they tossed Malone's lawsuit. He has two other lawsuits that are currently pending against the doctors. Although the doc, the doc, the judge did fault Malone, I think, for having gotten new counsel or what was the? Did I make a mistake on that? Either way, Robert. Uh, Washington Post is off the hook. What's your take? And is this just more of the same rules for thee, but not for me? Yeah, because, I mean, what the Washington Post said about him was that he made statements that were, quote, discredited, that he was, quote, spreading misinformation, that he, quote, repeated falsehoods, that he, quote, was not accurately representing the information, that he made unfounded claims, and maybe most significantly, they accused him of fraudulent conduct. Historically, that is actionable as libel because you're you're implying that there's a, a factual statement that he has made that is untrue. So how did the judge evade that? The judge decided that all that was just hyperbole, rhetoric, opinions that didn't apply any fact at all, which, quite frankly, is a ludicrous interpretation of the complaint. Uh, what he's doing is he's substituting himself for the jury, which he's not supposed to do because he kept talking about how he fair quote fairly read the complaint uh fairly read the article that's not the job the question is whether any reasonable juror could draw an adverse inference about a fact concerning robert malone that's not true about robert malone when you're accused of quote spreading falsehoods then quite clearly that could be the allegation in this context the uh, other claim he made is that you can't prove that they acted with reckless disregard for the truth, even if they violated their own ethical duties. Now, in the past, ethical violations have been evidence of recklessness when suing a journalist. 
here totally reverses that. <clears throat> if you, re you read the Alex Jones case, of course, they come to the exact opposite interpretations in every single instance. Shows you that they're wanting, they see an outcome they want, and they just rig the rules to get to that outcome. It's not an impartial application of the rules. And so the now what he referenced, the judge referenced was that Malone's lawyer was the one oh, who represented right. Devin Nunes. And that, you know, that lawyer has has not had success bringing a lot of these kind of cases. Uh, I was surprised anti slap was being applied in the federal courts, because generally speaking, federal courts have found anti slap doesn't apply in federal courts. It's not clear to me that uh, Malone's lawyer made that argument. I think it was, you know, the argument could have, I think his complaint could have been tighter drafted. I don't think it would have changed the outcome with this judge, but might have increased his chances on appeal or a right to amend. Um, but to say that there's no reason, what I'm seeing consistently in these cases is judges getting to the outcome they want. Rather than looking at it, could a reasonable juror conclude that the Washington Post made a false statement of fact about Dr. Malone. And anyone reading that article would conclude that he is deliberately, knowingly giving false information. And the judge's excuse was, well, this is just a debate. And the judge went on to quote how wonderful the article was and how detailed the research was. Clearly, the judge sides with that article. He's on the side of, uh, but what's happening is McCullough, Malone, others that are bringing these suits, they're not allowing, just like John Stossel's suit, just like Candace Owens' suit, they favor institutional media. They favor the official narrative. And so they're reinterpreting defamation and libel law to prevent those people from being able to sue. Uh, because down deep, they don't agree with the person suing and they agree with the people libeling. Well, I mean, I say in fairness, uh, you know, they're applying sort of the Maddow defense where it's it's a matter of opinion, calling it... If, you know, saying someone is, is providing disinformation, misinformation or whatever, that is the rhetoric of the day. And I can understand a judge saying, well, you know, that's not going to be actionable because everybody on the Internet is going to have a claim. Uh, but that when they apply the Rachel Maddow defense to The Washington Post, but not to uh, the Alex Joneses, who they barely even recognize as media. Yeah, it's, it's motivated reasoning where they get to the conclusion that they want to get to and they just find a way to get there. And my first exposure, like in this Sandman case, when the judge, and I forget who it was, parsed through all of the uh, parsed through all of the statements of uh, Sandman and said, "Well, you know, this could be based in fact, and this could be substantially true, and therefore, I'm not even going to submit it to a jury for them to determine." The, the judges have gone crazy in the states, in or maybe they were always crazy in usurping the role of the jury. Robert, I mean, is is that yeah. as old as time? I mean, it, it is. They've just been more aggressive in in these cases, in these uh, politically oriented cases towards getting to the outcome that they want. And so in particular in libel law, they've, they've often used the actual malice standard to get there with contradictory applications of that. And here contradictory applications of what constitutes an implied false statement, uh, factual statement. The, if they had just said he's a misinformation person, that may be a close call depending on the context. But here they said he was, he was not accurately representing the information he was putting out. And they said that he was acting in a fraudulent manner. Well, that's a much more specific mm -hmm. allegation. That's not disagreement and debate like the judge liked to pretend it was. That was accusing him of misrepresenting the facts in the study. He didn't misrepresent the facts in the study. They disagree with that study. They want to call the study a bad study, so on and so forth. But that's not what they the allegations. The allegations went beyond that. And that's where I think they crossed the line 
between a debate and a defamation. And the judge doesn't want to recognize it because he doesn't agree with Dr. Malone and he agrees with the Washington Post. It's amazing. I, I remember the first time they said, you know, they contradicted Malone as being the one of the initial inventors of mRNA. They said, well, that that is also misinformation. And they went and edited his Wikipedia page. And then there was a bit of a battle over that. All right. So he's, um, as we say, SOL, um, straight out of luck. Um, or okay. just contrast it to like the way Trump is getting indicted for things. The, they're, they're saying that Trump spread misinformation and that's so fraudulent, it's criminal. But somehow them saying fraud misinformation that is in fact it's false is somehow not even subject to civil suit. So you're seeing two totally different definitions of misinformation depending on the political target of the uh, case. Well, I guess that, that, that might, I might be getting ahead of the list, Robert, but while we're on that, this is the Trump. Oh, we'll go to the one where he's trying to be removed from the ballot in Colorado, correct? Yes. All right. It blows my mind, Robert, because thus far, other than the seditious conspiracy convictions of the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys, no one has been charged with, convicted of insurrection, period. And yet now tribe law. Oh, I got the tweet, actually. I'll bring it up in a second. Tribe law has floated the theory that it's it's the Colorado case is legit. It's a serious position and it needs to be uh, addressed by the courts to remove Trump from the ballot because of the 14th Amendment third paragraph, which prohibits from being on the ballot, anyone who's participated in insurrection. And they're actually saying that Trump's speech challenging the results in his view of the 2020 elections was insurrectionist speech warranting of him being not included or denied from being on the ballot. And Trump made a motion to dismiss uh, based on First Amendment rights. And the judge, you'll tell me who the judge is, but I can only anticipate said, no, this is a serious enough case. We're going to let it go to the merits, which might be good because if it gets dismissed on its face, I guess they don't ever address the issue. But this is getting one step closer to the judge actually saying, yeah, we're not going to include Trump on the ballot because of the words that he spoke are insurrectionist and therefore you don't get to vote for who you want. Uh, it was his motion to dismiss was dismissed. So this proceeds forward. Do you know who the judge is, Robert? So it's a liberal Democratic state court judge. And what the judge said was that the there's a strong public interest in, quote, only constitutionally qualified candidates being on the ballot. That, that in fact, no court has ever found that before, that a court has any interest in this whatsoever, that it's not subject entirely to the voter choice and the choice of elected politicians in Congress in particular. So the that's the dangerous sign. Now, there was some misinterpretation out there. Those people thought that the court ruled that he could not be on the ballot. This is only about his being on the Republican nominee diet side, by the way, not whether he's on the ballot in the general election. Uh, the court didn't rule on that. What the court said is that the that could that issue could go to a full trial uh, at the end of the month, which is just nuts. <laughs> and, and, and what it shows is there's going to be enough crazy judges out there that are entertaining the idea of weaponizing their judicial power to prohibit Trump from being on the ballot, uh, that that's a serious concern. And that it'll probably require higher courts step in to to clear up that that, in fact, has never been a judicial power. It's not up to the judiciary to keep people off, to deny voters the right to choose whom they want on the ballot. That's up to the people. That's up potentially to Congress uh, in the capacity of the presidential election, depending on certain circumstances. But, you know, the uh, but clearly they're so used to abusing their power that they're going to try to do so here. The only political restraint 
on them from doing so, despite enraging half the nation uh, and, and taking apart the country and its constitution. The only other risk is let's look at the practical fallout in Colorado. If they were to somehow prevent Trump from being on the ballot, ultimately, in the general, it, won't, it wouldn't impact. He's, in fact, he's going to get nominated anyway. But the uh, but if the same doctrine was used to apply to the general election, then that would mean you'd have Joe Biden and Robert Kennedy on the ballot. The risk in Democratic mm-hmm. states is that, you know, Trump's never going to win Colorado. It's, it's gone. The Denver's so liberal now that despite the ru- ruby red rural areas, they can't counterbalance the, the Boulder, Denver, Aspen combination of Democratic dominance. And but you know who could Biden could somehow lose its electoral votes. How? Because if you add the you know ten percent or so that Kennedy gets, a place like Colorado would be a state he could do above average in. By the way, uh, and if all the Trump voters who can't vote for Trump decide to vote for Kennedy, then all of a sudden Biden doesn't get those electoral votes. And all, and what happens if uh, uh, no neither candidate gets to over two seventy goes to the House where they vote by state delegation. And that that favors Trump, uh, the state delegate, because it's each state gets one vote. So in that context, uh, the that's where Kennedy being on the ballot is the only political restraint on on the Biden folks wanting this to occur. If uh, because they could lose if if Trump's not on the ballot, they they have a risk of losing to Kennedy everywhere. I mean, there's not a single state where between Kennedy's independent vote. And the Trump vote, they couldn't overcome the Biden vote. But Robert, I think that the bigger risk would be if one rogue state, which might not ever turn red, does this, then that sort of sets the precedent or gives the justification for battle states or battleground states. Like when the Georgia. Yeah, but they have the, they have the same problem in every single one of those. And they're putting, they're creating, well, they create one of two situations. Either it go, either it's a, there's not, there's a split. There's going to be some states, indubitably, Trump's on the ballot in. Right. So what they do is they almost guarantee it goes to the House, goes to the House that that well, it would help Trumpian Republicans running in the congressional elections, but it would guarantee Trump wins. So the uh, so that that's their that's their practice. That's where Kennedy is a major hurdle to this strategy of trying to take Trump off the ballot. It was always constitutionally without any foundation. It's not within the court's providence. If the court misunderstood this, how dumb this judge is misunderstood what political doctrine references. Political doctrine isn't whether you're prejudiced because of politics. Political doctrine is that the decision is subject to the political branches elected to power, not the judicial branch. That's what political doctrine made. She got it confused. She said, I don't know what political doctrine does. It doesn't matter which party he is as to where my, how dumb can you be? I mean, basic, didn't understand what the political doctrine was. This is one, but that means you have a political hack, midwit, nitwit, low-level judge, uh, and you're going to have enough of those in enough state courts to probably make this issue go up the flagpole. The But that's where I've said for a while, Kennedy's presence is the political deterrence to the court, to courts with more political awareness uh, may, making this decision. There's no constitutional basis to keep Trump off the ballot, but you do have some judges who don't care. But Robert, uh, how does this go up the flagpole and how far up the flagpole does it go? Does the, the Supreme Court doesn't regulate or doesn't govern state law? So how does the Supreme Oh, yeah, no, Court... these cases will go up to the U.S. Supreme Court because it concerns a presidential election. OK, good. Um, 
And how fast can that happen? The election is in what month are we? October? It's in, the, the election's in a year. So how fast can if, this get if, resolved? If there's a bad ruling from one of the nutty ruling from one of these judges, then then it could go up there pretty quickly. All right. I love, let me bring this uh, this up from. Um, uh, My Lauren. prediction is that if Robert Kennedy had not been running, there would be a much greater risk that the Supreme Court might stay out of it and let courts do this nutty stuff at the state level. But the sort of deep state and political establishment is more terrified of Robert Kennedy than they are of Donald Trump. They're not going to do anything that could possibly. And then there's the secondary impact Politics. that that it goes to the House and they know the House, whatever its biases, is not going to deny Trump the presidency uh, under these set of circumstances. When the states, when you vote each day as one vote, Trump's going to win that. So that that's where Kennedy being on the ballot completely blows up this strategy, the, the anti-Trump strategy they're trying to do. Well, speaking of which, I'll, I'll read the anti-Trump strategy from Lawrence Tribe, Harvard Law. This is uh, talking about the, the recent disinformation about what Trump said about um, Hezbollah being very smart for having attacked Israel. Apart from his constitutional disqualification under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, Trump disqualifies himself by his conduct and his comments almost daily, proving himself totally unfit to hold public office and an existential danger to our nation's security and to our democracy. Can you imagine? And, and this nut educated more. Uh, was the mentor of more uh, liberal judges and law clerks in America than any other judge. I mean, any other professor. This is in the wake of the attack in Israel under the watch of Biden, under all of the policy failures of Biden, finding a way to call, to call Trump the existential threat. But then, so I read this, and I just I have to go back and figure out what's going on here. And then I had to go back to the initial tweet, it's so amazing how the disinformation laundering works. You got Dan Egan from the Washington Post, speak of the devil literally. Trump faults Netanyahu, calls Hezbollah very smart amid the Israeli war. Then you go to Daniel Goldman. I forget Daniel Goldman's position. He's a He's uh, the, uh, the deep state congressman from New York who's been <laughs> neck deep in covering for Biden and going after Trump. So he retweets uh, he the hack. With the New York DA, Alvin Bragg. Oh. Uh, so he, re he retweets, quote tweets, Dan Egan and says, after the worst terror attack in Israeli history, Donald Trump criticizes Israel and praises the terrorists, yet again tacitly giving aid and comfort to our... Forget about the guy who might have actually given aid to the enemies, Biden and his administration. This man is a danger to national security and must never be in public office again, because it's going so well under the guy that's in office. Then you get Lord's tribe quote tweeting Goldman, who quote tweeted Egan's disinformation. And I just had to put it all together and say, this is this is how the disinformation laundering works, folks, in three easy yep. steps. It was really a dumb one. Trying to convince people that Trump is secretly pro Hezbollah. It's, it's, it's so, it's so that, stupid. Yeah, but, you, you, you got to play into a narrative. If, if you're going to push something that's not, that's not accurate or not true, it, it, then at least it has to push into a narrative. It can't push against it there. Uh, and that's Lawrence Tribe, the one who thinks that there's a sound argument for disqualification under the 14th article, uh, 14th Amendment, third paragraph. All right. Well, so that's Tribe has also been going ballistic about Robert Kennedy running. Um, uh, well, because uh, he because uh, he understands the problem. So the, uh, the he's just hoping that somehow that the but that that ship has sailed. So the uh, the Kennedy will be an independent candidate for the presidency announced this past Monday in Philadelphia. Uh, it's going to be a very populist campaign. So the uh, there's you can't remove Trump from the ballot without Trump getting in anyway, probably through the Congress. 
um, or risking Robert Kennedy as president. And, you know, some people asked in the chat, why is the deep state fear Kennedy more than Trump? They see Trump as a threat. They see Robert Kennedy as an existential threat. That's the difference between the two. So, Robert, it's going to go to trial. What are the chances that this trial goes to She's trial nuts. at the end of the month? Just nuts. Yeah, it goes to trial at the end of the month. This judge will issue an order pretty quickly, so he'll have a chance to. So if she issues a crazy order, he'll have a chance to go up the flag. What, what goes into a trial like this? What evidence goes into a trial to disqualify uh, Trump from the ballot? I, who, who are the I mean, witnesses? That's the problem. That's why she never should have allowed it to go to trial. There's just It's not within the court's providence or power or prerogative to decide who the people get to choose on the ballot. That has never been a judicial power. It's not, still is. Robert, just in time, I said uh, to the chat, when we hit 20,000 live, drop a comment and hit the thumbs up. We just broke 20,000 live on Rumble, and I'll make sure to tweet that out. Uh, before it gets too uh, unmanageable, on Rumble, let me just bring up the chats here, the, the Rumble rants. Uh, let me see if we can see them so I can read them. I'll go by very quickly here. Sad Wings Raging says good good ten dollar rent thank you very much shisko says huge intense bombing over gaza as we speak insane horrifying mandatory carry says niner 17 is in israel it's coming here and proved ukraine 2022 is poland 1939 freddy 65 i'm beginning to believe maybe scott ritter is paid by putin before i wouldn't consider it i know nothing of that Bershaz says, did you see Ryan Macbeth's intelligence breakdown on seized documents from Hamas? I, if, that's, if it's talking about the maps, um, I saw something about that, but I, I have no more knowledge on it than that. I'm not your buddy guy says, can we please get a campaign going to get SCOTUS to intervene and prevent this from occurring from any rogue judges? This way you won't have to, you won't have to risk waiting till post 2024 ruling. And then we got Del Toro's one says, what do you think of Cenk Uyghur's BS ploy to try and get naturalized citizens the right to run for president? Robert, have you heard about that from uh, Uyghur? So, Cenk? yeah, he's talking about running for president. Uh, the uh, he Whether or not he's a U.S. citizen is in, uh, I, I don't know the answer to. I know he wasn't, my understanding is he wasn't born in the United States, but nor was John McCain. Uh, so John McCain was born in Panama, allowed, you know, the, the grounds being his military facility, he was considered a U.S. citizen as both his parents were U.S. citizens. The issue with Barack Obama was that at the time, even if he had been born overseas, uh, his father was not a U.S. citizen. And at the time, federal laws required that that be both be the case to be a U.S. citizen. So it's I don't know the status of, of whether his parents were both U.S. citizens and thus he might qualify or not. I don't know the full deal. I know people assume that just if you're born outside the United States, you can't be qualified for the presidency. But Joe, uh, but Joe, John McCain disproved that theory. All right. Uh, OK, what's next on the list, Robert? Uh, we got a bunch. Uh, but in, in another good uh, speaking of elections. Uh, the Georgia election law went back to federal court this past week. Uh, now I've got to refresh my memory because I know the Georgia election law. Oh, yes, that's the one that was being challenged, which limited the number of drop boxes, which um, made it a little bit more difficult to um, not more difficult to vote, I should say. Oh, Tabarnush, Robert. Made it more difficult to steal ballots. That's what it really did. <laughs> All right. And uh, sorry, it was a favorable ruling. There were five aspects of the law that were being challenged. Uh, take it from there, and I'm going to pull up, the, uh, I'm gonna pull up the, uh, the judgment if I can get it. Sure. So essentially, Georgia, after 2020, passed laws dramatically limiting the number of drop boxes, the location of drop boxes, the supervision of drop boxes, 
where the the uh, the who could who had to supervise those drop boxes, dramatically restricting the amount of drop box location use in the 2022 election. They also uh, prohibited, you know, you know, come and vote and we'll give you gifts because you're in line. You know, that routine. F- food, food and drink. Because I, I, They need food and drink because they're waiting in line for so long that if they don't have yeah. it, it'll be a deterrent that will disparately Everybody impact. Everybody knows they're doing it to say, hey, if you come out and get in line to vote, we'll give you free food and drinks. That, that's they, they, what reality is. In 2020, were they not also giving gift cards and other things? Yeah, like, gifts like as well. phone? Oh, my goodness. Okay. So, and then uh, also the deadline for applications that they imposed a real deadline, not one that could flood the system at the last minute, how votes were counted and qualified. And you have to provide voter identif- your voter identification number, your driver's license, social security number, both to apply for the ballot and when you send the ballot envelope in. According to Democrats, this was racist, racist, racist. Uh, they had a simple problem. There was an actual election in 2022. Second problem, 99.8% of black voters, according to surveys, said they had no problem whatsoever voting in Georgia in 2022. So instead, they had to take these small numbers and they're like, well, we're trying to disproportionately get Democrats to be able to vote this way in order to not really vote, but to take their ballots. That's that's the dirty little secret behind it all. And the court was like, how can you say this is racist, even in impact, when 99.8% of Georgia's black voters say that was just fine in election? No problems at all. Yeah, not only was there no intent evidence, but there was no impact evidence. And so the judge denied the effort to enjoin it. So all of those restrictions and rules will stay in Georgia for the 2024 election. Now, let me pull it up. Is it in here? It is. Okay, boom. I know I just like the identification provisions. All Georgia voters are permitted to vote absentee. To vote absentee, voters have always had to comply with certain identification. They, they, they're objecting now to voter identification where they literally just to, you know, pull up the trope. And, and wanted- it's free, by the way, in Georgia, they follow Robert Kennedy's proposed solution, which is to uh, give away free, have free IDs, but require ID to vote. That's what Georgia does. Georgia gives you free IDs. If you don't have it, you can bring your utility bill, other information in to get a free ID. It's totally free. And uh, they were just, uh, they were saying, well, you know, there's what they, what they weren't saying is, hey, judge, there's six or 7% of the voters whose ballots we can steal. Come on, let, let us steal these ballots, judge. Well, what are you doing? You're going to let Trump be president with an honest election. So the, uh, that, that's the dirty little secret, right? They're like, 7% of these people, in other words, that's the group of ballots we're going to steal. What they couldn't produce was any evidence from those 7% saying they wouldn't go get a, a free ID if they wanted to vote. Because so, that would be the case with all 7%. And so instead, that really what is they want to steal those people's ballots. Uh, and then the judge concluded that there was certainly no racially disparate impact on this. There was no prejudice suffered whatsoever. But Robert... Do we then understand that these were um, this was the mo in 2020? They 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 tightened it down, and they objected to tightening it down. But that's to say this is what occurred in 2020 in yes, Georgia. In 2020, you had drop boxes everywhere. That was the basis of Dinesh D'Souza's 2,000 mules. Yeah. Are you going to be there for the? Oh yes, state? I I got a couple of things. I, I, I'm going to be there for the police state thing. I think I even get a plus one with my wife. And ah, there um, you go. And I got Dinesh D'Souza interview coming up soon, so that's going to be uh, in in local studio sooner than later. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, so I, at the uh, so yeah the uh, there will be a premiere, uh, Rumble sponsored premiere at Mar-a-Lago of Dinesh D'Souza's new film, Police State. Uh, the I may be there as well. Uh, the because I'll be going to the Children's Health Defense Conference with Robert Kennedy in early November in Savannah, uh, which I think the tickets are still available at the Children's Health Defense 
site. It's always a great conference, great lawyers, doctors, others get together to uh, talk about the next wave of advocacy on these issues. The uh, In that respect, if you want a uh, uh, to support Free America Law Center, we're going to have election lawsuits coming up. We're doing, obviously, all the medical freedom stuff. But we're also going to be doing uh, food freedom continually with Amos Miller. And Amos Miller is doing a fun fundraiser. So the uh, you get special handmade pumpkin pies uh, from uh, from Amos Miller. It takes a you know, week or two, a couple of weeks to get it all in and sent in because they're literally handmade there. Some His kids are involved. Uh, and that fundraiser will be up and going uh, for a little bit of while at AmosMillerOrganicFarm.com. Uh, there's a link at VivaBarnesLaw.Locals.com uh, that uh, will take you to it so that you can order it. Uh, but basically, it's a. I get some people say, "Why is it a uh, hundred dollar pumpkin pie?" Because it's a fundraiser. Well, that's. that's I, was, I was. I wanted it's, to pull it up. It's meant to help support Free America Law Center, so we can do all these cases uh, in the vaccine context, do it in the food rights context, do it in the political freedom context. The uh, uh, we've done everything from the Covington kids to the vaccine mandate cases to Amos Miller's case to a range of other uh, cases. We're going to be involved in defending the rights on, on Bitcoin and other aspects with the government's ongoing war against Bitcoin escalating in a range of uh, settings. But what makes it possible is, is support. And you get the best, like usually a fundraiser, you get a mediocre gift. This is handmade, fresh pumpkin pies from Amos Miller. Uh, you don't get a better uh, gift than that. And we, uh, we, uh, I, I'll look, I'm skeptical about pumpkin pie in general, but my wife ordered one. We're going to have it. It's going to be delicious. Um, and everybody, I, I put the link in there, AmosMillerOrganicFarm.com. I was trying to pull up a picture of the pumpkin pie itself, but you guys got the link, so you know where to go. Um, okay, Robert, hold on. So what do we do now? Well, the I mean, uh, we'll get to the, one of the popular topics on the board, which was the Chevron issue at SCOTUS, which is big. Uh, but the other Trump case, the classified documents case, an excellent uh, white paper put out by America First Legal, same Stephen Miller based organization that is exposing Joe Biden funding Hamas and the terrorism in the Middle East. They have uh, put out a white paper pointing out how absurd it is for the Presidential Records Act to be interpreted to give Congress the authority to exercise control and dominion over every presidential document. That, in essence, the only way the Presidential Records Act can be constitutional is if Trump has a non-reviewable, undelegable, uh, irreversible, full discretionary duty to decide what he's going to leave with Congress and the archives and what not. And so their point is that the, the Presidential Records Act cannot constitutionally supersede the president's authority over all papers he designates as personal. Doesn't matter whether someone thinks they're presidential or not, as the prior Clinton socks drawer case, as Trump calls it, previously established. They point out that this goes all the way back to George Washington. Every president took home all their papers. It was always, in fact, George Washington's heirs filed suit against somebody else who published those papers, and they won on copyright infringement grounds because they said all presidential papers are the personal property of the president once he leaves and takes them with him, and that you couldn't republish them. They're not public papers under that context. They're generally not considered public papers under Freedom of Information Act laws or Open Records laws or Privacy Act laws. 
So in that context, their point is the Presidential Records Act has to be interpreted in the way we talked about previously. It, oh, no, I was going to say, so the Presidential Records Act from this white paper, it's a, it's a 14 or 17 page, it's, it's an argument brief, goes through the history of the presidential rights and authority and what the Presidential Records Act was intended to do. Robert, in 1978, in response to Nixon, and let's see, I mean, we'll take this for what it's worth. This is from the government. It says the PRA, the, public, the Presidential Records Act, was intended to establish public ownership of all presidential records and defines the term presidential records. Requires the vice presidential records be treated in the same way. Without getting into the 15-point bulletin, to summarize it, the president owns his records, but what was the purpose of the Presidential Records Act in the first place. The only constitutional basis the courts have ever recognized and Congress's right to regulate this concerned the Watergate tapes and uh, Nixon's intention to destroy them. And what the court said is that Congress's legitimate legislative uh, and investigative interest in support of legislation uh, provided a basis by which they could assert an interest in preventing the destruction of those particular tapes, given there were pending judicial proceedings concerning those tapes and pending legislation concerning the conduct identified on those tapes. That's it. Then later on, Congress dramatically expanded its claim of interest under one interpretation, the one being asserted by the special counsel in the Florida case that says these documents are forever Congress's documents and the archivist documents. The problem is that violates executive privilege. That violates the president's right of legal title in those documents, an issue unaddressed by the Supreme Court previously. And it, it far exceeds their only permissible legislative purpose, and thus violates the balance of power and the separation of power, powers. That what legislative purpose could it serve for them to own everything or declare an ownership interest? So their point is there is a constitutional saving way to interpret the Presidential Records Act and it happens to be the way that's consistent with the entire history of the presidency. It's also history with the prior decisions concerning these records in other contexts and cases from George Washington through to Bill Clinton. And what those and what that interpretation is, is that the president has a unilateral right to declare what he considers personal and what he considers he's going to give to them and that what he takes with him are his by End of story. And now let, let, me, let me stop you there. His and not also whatever authority exists under the PRA. So it's it's Correct. unilaterally his and solo his. He doesn't have Correct. to share. It's not like they have it and he can have it. He no. has it. They're they saying don't constitutionally get it. that doesn't even make any sense. So the uh, the they said, you know, maybe you could make a claim for copies. But the but once whatever he takes, he gets period. And and that that's his and it can't be Congress's subject to regulation. If their interpretation is accepted, which I think it's the constitutionally correct interpretation, backed up by case law, backed up by history, backed up by precedent, backed up by executive privilege, backed up by the separation of powers, then the Florida case would have to be dismissed entirely. And the idea would be that there is the Presidential Records Act was basically to preserve the documents that are created under the president because they belong to the country to some extent and, and, and must be preserved. The, the, really, they. They, they were sort of brought, they just wanted the Watergate tapes not destroyed. And it was in that hot incident, you know, that, that kind of limited, unique fact pack pattern that the court said, okay. But the court never said you have complete title and you could just, you could just take whatever you want. And they pointed like, I mean, as a point, like, what if the president unilaterally declared you, Senator, have to now give all your documents to that Senator? It went against all of history. The reality is they made bad, they made a bad decision in the Nixon case. 
which they have subsequently not followed. When Poppy Bush went in and deleted a bunch of records and information, it was left unchallenged. So, I mean, he actually destroyed records, destroyed information, and it was considered permissible. So the, you know, when Bill Clinton took information that clearly was presidential records under the definition of the law, then what did the court say? The court said, I can't review that as a judge. That's a non, non-reviewable decision exclusively vested in the president. So under that interpretation, that would constitutionally save it to say whatever records the president decides to leave and, and give to them. The other difference is Nixon was claiming the records after he left. He, you could argue it was a mistake. But he resigned, then requested the records, unlike here where Trump took these records before he left. Well, but and even if the rationale were they want to prevent the destruction of potentially incriminating documents, they could be both the president's and you can't destroy them. Whereas with Trump, it was not a question of destruction. It was a question of them saying he should never have had them and he had to return them and not right. keep a copy himself. And that's what makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Because even the Presidential Records Act explicitly states he has he he has to be guaranteed access to mm-hmm. those records permanently, continually. So how could he have to not have physical access to them? It makes zero sense whatsoever. Now it's a beautiful document, and it's uh, I will hold yeah, on. very well crafted documents. The history, the case law, the precedent, the policies, the constitutional what, issues. What I mean, where does it go? Like it's a white paper. Who gets it? Do they send it around? Does it? Do it's they publicly send- circulated. Okay. And I mean, it's it's long and it's thorough. And um... I mean, I mean, I'm sure Trump's lawyer is obviously going to get it. And the goal probably is to for it to be is to argue in the court of public opinion, Mm -hmm. but for the Trump's lawyers to borrow and copy it and include it in a motion to dismiss the Florida case. Have um, have we shared a copy of this in? Not yet. Okay, good. So viva barneslaw.locals.com people and you'll get you'll you'll be able to read it's 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 out there, but it'll be more accessible. All right. Um, Where do we go from here, Robert? Uh, well, we, we got, you know, we could bridge in briefly to a more fun topic. Uh, how about Logan Paul's fiance? Well, I would say the more fun topic might be the debacle of a fight. I don't know. Look, I thought, um, his name is Dylan Dennis. I thought, I thought he was a good fighter. I'm thinking this whole thing is just fake to begin with. It was all a big fake hype and whatever. Dylan Dallas, Dylan Dennis, as far as I remember, was a talented Brazilian jiu-jitsu mixed martial artist was fighting Logan Paul or Jake Paul, I forget which one it is, one of the, 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 the bigger of the Paul brothers. And um, they had their fight last night and it was apparently a, a, an absolute uh, shut the front door show of, of a fight. Uh, Dennis got disqualified for I, I, throwing punches after the fight, whatever, but it was, a, it was a clean card for Paul. That's the side story of all of this. In the lead up to the fight, apparently, I couldn't find the pictures because I, I was trying to do my research. Apparently, uh, Dylan Dennis was set, was you know to taunt Paul was sharing pictures allegedly um, unlawfully procured or without consent procured nudes of Paul's fiance who happens to be a Swedish or Danish or Dutch model, and um, she sued for harassment for basically revenge porn, saying he posted non-consensual nudes from a decade ago. I'm not saying this to be glib or, or whatever. I couldn't. I, I don't know if they were unaltered or the accusations that they were digitally altered. I, I couldn't find the originals to see what it was in the first place. Didn't look very hard. Um, and it looks like it's an actual lawsuit and they're actually mad at each other. The fight's come and gone and now Dennis is going to have a lawsuit on his hands. And that's it. I don't know, Robert. I mean, what, 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 do, you, what do you make of it? And um, were they real pictures? There were no exhibits to this lawsuit, very disappointingly. But what, what do you make of it? Well, I mean, uh, the... Uh... 
if if she is correct, uh, Danis is in serious trouble. Because what people don't realize is uh, federal law, uh, they extended and amended the Violence Against Women's Act to include a re- federal revenge porn law. And under that law, all it has to be is you have an intimate photo that uh, you disclose publicly using interstate communication, which is what the internet is, and you don't have consent of the individual who is depicted in the photograph. And that's, that's it. Uh, and so unless it's already in the public domain and in, in a way that infers reasonably infers consent, you can't publish those photos and, or videos or anything else. And he did apparently several of them, seemed to acknowledge he was doing them. And the problem is it's 150000 per violation, statutorily, guaranteed. Do you have to prove damages? Do you get damages on top of that? Plus attorney's fees, plus the state uh, invasion of privacy claim. So if Dennis, I hope he, I hope that payday was worth it in the boxing. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just looking up. Otherwise, he's going to be writing checks to her for forever. I'm just looking up what his purse was, and I don't know if I'm going to find it fast enough. But the one thing I couldn't find, and it's not, it, again, it's not to be glib or, or or obscene. I read that they were digitally altered photos; that it wasn't actually her nude. Then I, you know, then the lawsuit says it was her actually nude. Uh, apparently, he was on. I think it was the Full Send podcast saying he acknowledged it was illegal. So they're, they're bringing up his statements, but I, I don't know if these were digitally altered pictures. Some of the ones that I could find on Instagram, I don't, I don't even know what's going on in the pictures, but um, people should be aware of that. that um, and then the question is whether or not they were already out there in the first place. How he got right. them, I don't know. There was some description she said that was a Snapchat discussion, but she said it was, only, uh, was not publicly available and somehow was obtained. So the, his only defense will be that these, this, this inf- that these photos were in the public domain. And that thus they had an implied waiver of consent and authorization. But people had got away with revenge porn for a while. And now there's either state or federal law that's been passed everywhere. And they and they don't realize how broad these laws are and how easily liable they will be. I, so I, if you didn't get the if you don't have clear, indubitable proof that this is in the public domain, by golly, don't be sharing it. And not just that, if it happens to be kids doing this, then you're entering another slew of problems, which everyone should be yep. sensitized to and should sensitize their kids to. Okay, well, that's the fun one. and it's. Um, but my goodness, what, I, I, I didn't see the actual... Well, I think I did see the end of the fight. It looks like a shit show. You know who might have a claim on this, by the way? Go on. Well, to think about who could sue... Uh, Who's, a lot of whose photos have been publicly shared over the last two years that were not in the public domain. What, Robin, why do I feel stupid for not immediately knowing where you're going with this? Hunter Biden. Oh, interesting. A lot of people better stop being very careful about sharing certain intimate Hunter Biden photos, just FYI. No, holy shit, Robert. <laughs> okay. Um, very interesting. I say that. Uh, never mind. I, I won't even say what I was going to say now. Uh, oh, that's okay. Well, interesting. All right. What What now? We're, we're off the list, so I'm just going to... Oh, speaking of social media and kids, uh, the, these kind of issues, TikTok getting sued. It's a, it, another request for class action. TikTok deliberately makes a product that they know is addictive, tweaked to make it more addictive, uh, concealing the fact that it is addictive, targeting the children for their addiction. Um, Robert, I couldn't understand why they were redacting in the lawsuit some information as to how many times a day people were retweeting things. So I, I didn't know, like, you know, tell me why they were redacting that information. But this is this is a lawsuit along the lines of all the other social media lawsuits. I happen to think 
it is about time. You know, like I, I, I've got three kids and you know, even YouTube shorts, I think is a problem, but we've managed to wean off of TikTok. Um, why were they redacting the the uh, the stats of the impact of the lawsuit? Of the, sorry, of the impact of the app. I assume there's some it, because it's the state of Utah bringing suit through the Attorney General's Division of Consumer Protection, bringing it. Uh, it's all it's sort of de facto a class claim on behalf of all the people of Utah, uh, because it's the Attorney General representing the interest of all the people of Utah. It may have been the case they obtained some of that information in a manner that there's still a protective or confidential provision applied to. That's all I could assume. Otherwise, I didn't know why. And by the way, I love it when Robert politely corrects me. It wasn't a class action. It was the Attorney General of, of Utah, where apparently, I didn't know this, Utah has the highest per capita rate of uh, children in, in, in yep. the country. Those Mormons have a lot of kids. I was going to say, I can understand why easily. All right, so that's interesting. So they might have redacted it because they, they, they're still getting um, consent for the... Anyway, uh, by but the this way... This is uh, like the, the last prong of big tech. Like you have the monetization of people's uh, information and use being attacked as unjust enrichment in the Oracle suit. You have Google and Apple and all of them, but right now Google, the primary focus, uh, they're, they're leveraging one asset to secure a monopoly in another as, uh, asset area or economic area, being challenged in the antitrust suit that could break them apart permanently and force them to sell YouTube. And now this is the third prong, which is that one of the great harms that this suit uh, highlights is that the major levels of social media use are directly correspondent to dramatic increases in mental health illness amongst young people. You can time it directly and you have, you know, like the, the uh, was the, the thin line or something like, I forget the title of it, but the creepy line, I think creepy thin line, something like that. Multiple documentaries by people who help create a lot of these social media uh, apparatus have said that this is very detrimental. And what it is, is it, one, it's badly harming the mental health of children. That's the legal basis of the injury that they're seeking to remedy and preclude from continually occurring. The consumer fraud part, because it's brought by the Consumer Protection Division, is twofold. It's one, that they're manipulating their technology to increase to manipulate the dopamine of vulnerable population, namely children, to increase addictiveness, knowing it then leads to mental health illness, mm -hmm. but also that they have committed fraud because they lie in their product saying to the public in Utah and around the world that they, uh, that they don't cause harm, that they are, quote, safe for children. They know that statement to be materially false. So this goes beyond whether there's a side effect that you know about that you're causing mental health illness and goes to them lying about what their product does and lying about what they're doing for uh, to impact children as well. If you take out this prong where if they can't manipulate anymore, if they can't monetize anymore and they can't monopolize anymore, big tech is dead. And that's why it's so uh, you add that to the ability to regulate big tech as a utility in the Texas, Florida cases before the Supreme Court. And the next two years in courts are going to determine the fate and future of big tech. It's interesting. Someone in the chat says, uh, John Jelaine says, the kids are developing TikTok brain. And um, yeah, 50% spike in mental health problems. In some cases, five-fold increases in self-harm amongst young girls who use the most social media. 
It is, it is undeniable. I forget who the former CEO of Facebook was who did his TED talk and announced it. It is amazing that they were, you know, harvesting the data and they get spanked for it. Uh, and now it's developing what they know is an addictive product, lying about it, but directing it to children and very Because they're the most vulnerable population and the best to monetize. Uh, phenomenal. Are there other states doing this, Robert? Uh, for the uh, as of now, I mean, I, I think I know there's uh, various ones looking at it, but I think what we'll see is how this case progresses and proceeds. Other states will likely copy it because they have the same interest in consumer protection, the same rights to enforce those laws, and the same standing to protect uh, the interest of children. I think what it is is the the creepy thin line in these other documentaries awaken them to the problem they were witnessing in their in their school and medical data which is severe mental health problems for an entire generation of people, particularly girls, but uh, just an entire generation, well, no, younger millennials and Zoomers. T TikTok is particularly noxious in that it, it will, I mean, who was it? We had her on the show. It, it will create mental illnesses, mental issues uh, by promoting stuff to people who are already looking at it and then conditioning them to think that it's normal. Uh, now, strategically good to target TikTok because it's a politically unpopular uh, target as opposed to Facebook or Google or YouTube, I should say. Yeah, though I think there are other suits challenging them in process as well. And so the but challenging TikTok in Utah is probably the best political path to setting the uh, most uh, positive precedent. Uh, uh, but it, it applies to all of them ultimately. Uh, Robert, hold on one second. Someone said something here in the Rumble Rants. The pumpkin pies are no longer available, sold out, or not yet open for sale. They've got to be sold out because we got one. So, Oh, no, I, I was told this morning they're, they're still available for sale. So the uh, just go to the link that's at – I've also put it on my Twitter page. But the link to it, vivabarnslaw.locals.com. It's pinned. It's one of the top three. And that will take you to one of the two links. You probably have to go. He's reserving – the pumpkin pies uh, only for this group of people to help support Free America Law Center. All right, we've got Shofar, which I think is a, a joke, a, a pun with Shofar. The book, See Something, Say Something, Haney Moore foreshadowed what's happening today. Oh, foreshadow what's happening today. Uh, did I get this one? Okay, we got that one too. All right, now, Robert, what's next on the menu? Uh, well, speaking of kids, uh, a federal judge thinks uh, drag queen story time is good for your kids. Well, what the judge said was that it's, if parents want to opt out, they can opt out. This was legislation in what state again was Montana. it? Montana. Montana. I, I, I can understand this one. If you want to have drag time show and take your kids to it, that's fine. Um, it was legislation intending to prevent or uh, prohibit. At schools, libraries, and parks with minors present. <laughs> uh, no more drag queen story time. Well, apparently there shall be that availability. And if you don't want your kids going to it. It's First Amendment right now. <laughs> First Amendment right. Take uh, them out of school that day. Don't let them go to the park that day. Or if you're one of the degenerate perverts, send your kids to school and give them small bills so they can stick them into the panties of the... the okay. But Robert, in this particular case, the, the, the decision was that it was sort of broad, too broadly defined. It was First Amendment it, well, speech. Principally what they're really aimed at is that you can debate whether or not the uh, obscenity laws apply to drag queen story time. The argument is that they don't, quote, necessarily appeal to the prurient interest in sex. And so the legislatures, to get around that, have just banned it outright. What now multiple federal courts, including this Montana federal judge, have done is say that unless you limit it to prurient interest, we're going to call it First Amendment protected speech. 
the uh, because it's a viewpoint content based limitation on speech. And they say it doesn't apply to strict scrutiny. Now, two things stand out here. One is, to a degree, legislatures have made a mistake, in my view, not developing robust evidence. There's plenty of evidence out there that this is not good for kids. Well, but they're uh, not presenting it in the legislature, and they're not presenting it in court defense proceedings. And some of that may be because some of the attorney generals defending these cases, I suspect lawyers in those offices are all for these uh, laws getting struck well, down. But, or, or they're not drafting them in sufficiently clear and concise terms. I just, I'm well, looking at here, the only clear and concise terms this judge would allow and the other courts would allow is you have to limit it to the prurient interest. So he had other problems with aspects of like the park definitions and so forth, but he could have just struck those provisions. But he, he struck I, the whole thing. In once, well, it was, it was towards the end. He says, oh, my eyes are so bad. It says Montana law already prescribes proscribes, not prescribes, prohibits subjecting minors uh, to obscenity. So I, the, the, the judge in this case said Correct. you That's already he, have laws. He's referencing that prurient interest. He's yeah. saying that you have to include that because what it's, what's happened is the legislature has determined that this already does appeal to the prurient interest. He's saying he's not going to recognize the legislative finding. And instead, you have to include within the law that a jury also determines separately and independently of you, the legislature, that this appeals to the prurient interest or I'm not going to call it obscenity and I'm not going to allow it. Now that's one aspect of where these courts are coming. This particular judge went out of his way to cite a bunch of art studies and other things. He, he clearly, he thinks drag queen story time is great for your kids. I mean, there, there's, he isn't really bashful about that. He said, quote, this serves the public interest. <laughs> he seriously believes it. You can tell he's, he's a Barack Obama federal judge. He's one of these people that believes this is good for people. He, you know, he has, he's worried about the two spirit people and all the trannies and all the rest being able to expose their trans ideology to kids because he sees that as good, not based in fear and hate. I mean, you, you, you read his opinion. You don't really doubt what he believes about. Well, Robert, I'm just going to show you this. I haven't posted it yet, people, because I only screen grabbed it before going live. This is from the CBC. The, is not here, well here we go. You. One of the things I recommend is it, you can't. I can't. You can't actually see it. This is from the CBC. It's an individual giving a basically a PSA. Not that I judge anybody. Listen, listen to this. Um, you know, music was my big dream. I wanted to be a pop star. On Wikipedia, this person goes by she. He's got one blue eye, one pink eye, a yellow dot in his forehead, and this man is giving advice. And and the reality is most, most parents don't like this at schools and public libraries. Who the hell would you? I, I don't want strangers talking to my kids, let alone strangers with uh, bizarre proclivities. Good for them, but holy crab apples. Yeah. And I think what's becoming clear from how these courts are ruling and until and unless the U.S. Supreme Court steps in, the only effect the legislatures are probably going to be able to have in these law contexts is to, uh, one, build up an evidentiary record and have it ready to be presented uh, through the legislative process and into the court. But otherwise, rather than ban them, as the, this judge himself recognized, just defund anybody that allows it. Because that's different. And then nobody's got standing to sue. You can do what you want with funding. Just say any school that allows this, no more funding. Any park that allows this, no more funding. Any, any place of access to children that allows it, you don't get any state funds. That will get rid of the 90% of the problem. 
trying to ban it is 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 not going to work because the federal courts are going to block it unfortunately that's now become very apparent mm-hmm. multiple courts multiple jurisdictions done the same thing now the on the good news side the Idaho law about bathrooms at least that law was upheld yeah and that one was the one that said you have to use the bathroom of your designated sex at birth none of this gender nonsense and that um, the strongest argument that the plaintiffs, I, I forget who it was now, the appellees, they said it would violate uh, privacy in terms of compelling someone who's transitioning to use the bathroom that does not correspond with their biological sex. Though so they're and- allowed, by the way, under the Idaho law to use a, to have facilities that are designated other, that are not designated by well, male or female. Not just that, it's so stupid because they can, the gender, um, uh, choice can vary by day so they can go from one to the other interchangeably and the I, other key like idaho law was smart it didn't try to i don't you know limit bio- men or women biological just, sex period biological sex and here sex separate facilities have been constitutionally permissible for forever and they try to make a title six argument the problem is as the 11th circuit said and then this court said in the idaho case uh, title six has a specific exception that says nothing in it shall be used to deny locker rooms and restrooms uh, being separately done by biological sex. So uh, there is no constitutional, like, and that's where they try to argue, well, what about our constitutional interest in our gender identity not being publicly disclosed? And they said, that's not a fundamental right. And you have the choice of another facility anyway. So the you're balancing out the privacy interest and the privacy interest uh, overwhelmingly is in the favor of particularly girls, not sharing bathrooms with boys and well, locker they, rooms with boys. They did. They, they addressed the security concern in that where they said it's not a question of security, uh, but rather uh, what, what, how privacy, they- the, 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 the interest in privacy of not. I mean, this is this was, by the way, several years ago, a South Park episode. Cartman pretends to be a girl because he finds out he can identify as a girl and starts using the girl's bathroom. Girl. So he's like, yeah, you, you know, the I mean, we have South Park reality, <laughs> you know, becoming at, now the, there's a split within the courts. So the Supreme Court's probably going to have to rule on this because some courts have said, no, you have to allow the trans people in. And other federal courts have said, no, you've never that's never been the requirement. So hopefully the U.S. Supreme Court will step in and clarify that's not what they meant by employment law protection for trans people was that suddenly we have to ignore biological gender in all contexts. Robert, I, I was at a business nearby my place of residence and they had on their bathroom, it said gender neutral. It was a unis. It was not a unisex. It was or a unisex. one. No, it was a one stall bathroom. It's like, of course, it's gender neutral. Nobody gives a crap. We used to call that well, the airport family bathroom, <laughs> no, which they, I the, love those because I was like, screw going to the men and the women. I was going to the family <laughs> one. I, I, family. And people would always look at me. Hey, that's supposed to be for kids. It says family, dude. I'm going in. No, but what's amazing is they say it's, it's, it's a personal bathroom. No, they, they raised the privacy argument when necessarily when you express your gender identity, you're revealing that it doesn't correspond to your birth sex so there is no privacy issue anymore you're publicizing your privacy well, issue if you listen to the federal judge in the other case he was like you should have a right to bear your breast as part of gender expression that was part of his decision <laughs> it's okay for drag queen story time to show whether you're not really a woman anymore or you are suddenly a woman according I, to him 
I can understand that if you say, well, show me, well, except a woman's breasts are genitalia because they're used in procreation. A man's breast is not. But I have no problem with any law that says cover your man breasts when you're outside. I'm well, you're you saying you have a First Amendment right to expose him to the world. Uh, first of all, I'm joking, people. I want to not have to wear a shirt in public when I go to the beach. Um, all right, so that, anyways, that so that bathroom law was was upheld, and probably because it was it was easily circumscribed. Sex at it was birth, well crafted. Yeah. All right, oh, hold on, Robert. I got to bring in the good news right here. Um, Hold, oh, geez, Louise, I got something else. Oh, yeah, we got Lef, or that is El Fulganzi. I just bought a Freedom Pumpkin Pie. It's $100, but it's a fundraiser, and thank you, F. Fulganzi. All right, Robert. What, what it's the best we... deal you get for any fundraiser out there. Support a great cause and uniquely get a pie that only you can get from Amos Miller's Organic Farm. Oh, and I, I'll make a video when we get it, and I'll eat it. Pumpkin pie. It, it, it'll be good. But... Oh, delicious. It's the right season, too, for pumpkin pie. I don't know what season it is, Robert. I live in Florida. I like there's there's no <laughs> All that I know is that the sun is rising later and later every morning. But other than that, it's still summer here. That's true. That'd be, it'd be totally different from Canada. Yeah, I, I don't know. Is, what... is it already freezing up there? In, my, my wife just got back from Montreal. She had a scarf on the airplane. I was like, haha, LOLs. I don't know what you're wearing on your neck. Um, no, it's, 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 it's crazy and it's destabilizing because I don't know what season it is. It's, it's, it's summer all year long for good and for bad. This is not a flex. This is like, I don't know what season it's October. Cause I can see it on my computer. I hear a kid screaming. Oh boy. Uh, Robert, what's next on the menu of the day? So we got two big vaccine cases, which we'll get to at the end. Uh, the next big one is the one we, uh, was, uh, voted by our board. One of the top topics for tonight which is the Chevron Doctrine at SCOTUS. Well, now, I can, I can summarize the Chevron Doctrine, but then you're going to have to take it after this. The Chevron Doctrine is deferring to the authority of agencies to enact, implement, and adjudicate on their own internal rules as to the application of the regulations that was bestowed on them by, uh, you know, by the government, which governs their conduct. And we've seen the way it's gone crazy. I say... Canada has gone one direction on the Chevron deference, whereas the U.S. seems to be going another direction. Um, that's the that's my thirty thousand foot overview, Robert. What what are the the oh, details did, of this? Did you see the fact pattern of this particular case? Um, Might be in your uh, up your uh, uh, hobbies line of thinking. I did, uh, but remind me, does it have to do with drones? <laughs> Damn it, it was it was drones or fishing? It was fishing, yes, of course. <laughs> the uh, what is it? So fisheries are required. Certain oh, fish. this is the one to pay the to pay the government regulator to sit on the boats and right. Okay, I see. This is where like sometimes I get nervous because I I don't remember that I know it. This is the one where the government enacted a regulation that says you need to have federal oversight or government oversight as to how you're carrying out fishing, and we're going to give you a government regulator or whomever to make sure that you're complying with the law, and you're going to have to pay for it. Um, out, out of your own, out of your own business operations, and it can be very costly, Robert. Okay, geez, Louise. Okay, so I did read this. Um, what happened, Robert? Yeah. So I mean, what the the, the law itself just said that you uh, that the, the it gave a right of federal regulators to be on the boat to oversee that you're complying with various regulations. The it exempted and excluded boats that were too small to be able to put an overseer on there. So what does the agency do? The uh, Congress chose not to fund most of these as a way to limit how invasive they are. So what does the agency do? The agency says, oh, we have a right 
to force you, the fisherman, <laughs> to pay for that person to be on your boat. So not only do you have to put them on your boat, even if you were previously excluded or exempted, now you have to pay for them to be on your boat and tell you how you can't fish or try to lock you up or try to fine you if they think you didn't do it the way they want you to do it. So uh, even though there was nothing in the legislation that authorized this. So the Chevron Doctrine said that in a bunch of contexts, administrative agencies can, quote, interpret law and that the courts have to exercise deference to an agency's interpretation of the law. That was a usurpation of the judicial role given to the agency of the government. The second part was the ability to create law out of thin air in the first place. They gave it that by saying you can write law called regulations, subject to certain notice and comment and whatnot, but they are there usurping the legislative role. And they often uh, uh, said that the same deference applies to the agency's writing of law because under the theory that they're just interpreting it. Now the agencies are usurping the power of the purse from the legislative branch. Where Congress has not authorized money, they're authorizing it based on what? Making you pay for it like an individual tax. <laughs> and, and Robert, if I imagine if it's anything like USDA organic or, you know, the, the beef regulation, it's going to be very costly. It's so Particularly for your smaller, this is designed to help your big folks run off the small folks using the cost of regulation to create a competitive edge. It's an amazing, and we call them in Canada administrative tribunals, specialty tribunals. They, they make, they are empowered, like the CRTC, to apply the Online Streaming Act. How is it going to apply? We don't know. Let them decide for themselves, and they create their own rules, enforce their own rules, interpret their own rules, and now... Oh my God, I, 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 it's so outrageous. Make you pay the, your judge, jury, and executioner on your boat who's only there to find fault and to hold you to it. Um, Completely. And so the, the this, along with several other cases, has gone up to the Supreme Court. They accepted this one plus another one, which is their, uh, Gorsuch has already said the Chevron Doctrine is unconstitutional. The Thomas has said the Chevron Doctrine is unconstitutional. Uh, Kavanaugh has said the Chevron Doctrine is unconstitutional. Alito has said the Chevron Doctrine, as construed, is unconstitutional. We don't know what Roberts and Barrett, where they will fully go yet. What but, about what about Katanji Jackson-Brown? She might get this one right, Robert. <laughs> uh, we'll see. I mean, the, generally the liberal Democratic judges love the administrative state. And the administrative state is reflectively, has effectively replaced the legislative branch, the elected part of the executive branch. We see that in the Trump classified documents case and the judicial branch, because here the judges aren't interpreting the law. The uh, agencies are the the legislature isn't writing the law. The agencies are the uh, uh, the ju ju uh, the judicial branch isn't uh, uh basically really enforcing the law in terms of interpretation and execution, the administrative agency is doing by setting up these separate tribunals. So the, the, it's long been proven that deferring to the agencies was always a bad idea. Chevron has been a disaster and a debacle. There's been conflicts all across the federal courts. In the context of the fisheries, some courts have said the agencies have, don't have this power. Other ones have said they do. So it depends on where you're fishing as to which rules apply to you. That's how nuts it is. But it's it's it's, it's so what, what struck me about this was that it's so ridiculous that the government will create these obligations 
and then make you pay for them when they then take your very same tax dollars and then, I don't know, ship them to a foreign nation to fund war. We can do that, but we can't pay for the regulation that we enact and impose on you. It's You're, you're, well, you're paying it, your it, executioner. And if the agencies have the power to tax, that's what this is, you, 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 everybody's liberty is in yep. danger immediately. The, and in fact, it would go for, the First Circuit went further than that. It said the default rule is now that agencies have the power to do this. Jeez. That unless Congress prohibited them from doing it, they have a default right to do so as part of the necessary clause of enforceability in these uh, statutes. So hopefully Congress will finally, I mean, the Supreme Court will finally recognize that the Chevron doctrine has gone way out of hand and completely gutted. Administrative agencies should only be investigating and, uh, and bringing enforcement actions. They shouldn't have their own judiciary. They shouldn't be writing rules. They shouldn't be writing laws. They shouldn't be interpreting laws. They shouldn't be adjudicating laws. They're not the judiciary. They're not the legislature. Uh, and they shouldn't be overriding the elected president of the United States either. So it's time the administrative state be gutted. It's the greatest threat to liberty and, quite frankly, to a successful economy in the modern American age. And hopefully the Supreme Court will finally gut it. And these cases present excellent examples of how and why they need to do so. I'm going to make the prediction now. You can snip and clip everyone out there. They're going to gut the Chevron doctrine because I'm charting it only on the direction of Canada compared to the direction of the United States. Canada is going to reaffirming doctrine of the Chevron thing and the U.S. is going to defy it. Now, that's my prediction right now. But Robert... I see colors here. Do, uh, have I brought it up? I do. Look at this. Hold on. Hold on here. What are these reds? The red says, Rum I can't read the black on the red. It says, Rumble Rick 331 is now a monthly supporter. Rumble Rick, welcome, uh, cool. welcome, to, the welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> and then that's Rumble Rick is now. Okay, so we got that. Tell Amos to do a sweet potato. You know what? Pumpkin pie and sweet potatoes. Those are my two, like, if Marion's listening, she's going to get angry with me. But tell him to do a sweet potato casserole. Pumpkins are for smashing. What, does she like both pumpkins and sweet potatoes? She loves pumpkins and sweet potato, and I do not like either. But she's actually won me over on the uh, sweet potatoes, French fries, and the pumpkin pie. I, I think I'll, I think I'll do. Nike well, Seven. Speaking of, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, sorry. Nike Seven. Very disappointed in how many closeted, unobjective Zionists we are seeing. Robert. I think that's an attack, Robert. The amount of riddles solved if we assume Hamas is Mossad controlled and this was an op is not explored. <laughs> really? So, I mean, I mean, the problem is all the people that want to pretend that the Palestinian cause hasn't been dedicated to the erasure of Israelis and Jews from the presence of the Middle East are just not listening to the Palestinians. And everybody wanting to blame uh, you know, now I've, I've been very critical of how Western intelligence, uh, including how Israel has intervened in various countries across the Middle East to their detriment rather than to their betterment, like they think, putting one enemy against another enemy, thinking it's going to work and it backfiring over and over and over again. So that criticism is uh, is fair criticism. Pretending the Palestinian cause isn't dedicated to mass murder is just ignoring who they are. But that, Robert, that, that's ignoring 120 years of history. Let they me sided with the Nazis for a reason, folks. I'll, I, I, it's not devil's advocate. I'll just, I'll uh, steel man. Oh, geez, who was it? I forget. I'll steel man that position. When you have sound bites, quotes of Netanyahu saying, we're going to fund Hamas 
so that we can make them continue to fight with Fatah or the Gaza, the, the, the West Bank, sorry, so that we can ensure that among the fighting, we can create a reality in which there will be no Palestinian state. You can understand how some people might think the long game of a Netanyahu who's been in power now for like 20 years over the course of decades yeah, or 12 on, years. On and off, yeah. On and off. He's going to say, we don't want a Palestinian state. We don't want a two-state solution. So let's fund Hamas, build them up so that they can then create the problems that we're experiencing now so that we have the pretext, A, to not only not have a two-state solution, but B, to go and evacuate an entire area and then appropriate it either for ourselves or for the international hotel community, whatever that is. I can understand how some people think that. How do you counter it is the question, that argument in particular. Well, I mean, I mean, the, the, it's ignoring the agency of Palestinians. Palestinians elected Hamas, pretending that they elected, did they elect Hamas because of Israel? No, they, they they might have elected Hamas because Hamas was going around killing Palestinians and saying, "Vote for us, or we kill you, and we'll kill your political adversaries too." Oh, I mean, I mean, but they've been uh, by various polls, they've always been popular. There's there's not really much doubt about it. Now, the they clearly are, don't have full confidence that they would win every election because they haven't held any in a while. But the but you flip side. But when they do polls, majority of Palestinians in Gaza side with Hamas. There's been there's been no political rebellion against Hamas in in the Palestinian world. And it's not like they're not capable of political rebellion. Right? They see a Jew and all of a sudden they can rebel real fast. Uh, but not when it comes to Hamas. So, you know, the, the, that doesn't justify any kind of collective punishment of noncombatant civilians. But pretending that the everything that the Palestinians have done wrong in over a century is somehow secretly the Jews' fault is, is just in, it's ignoring the agency of the Palestinians. Just listen to them in their own words. They're not bashful. It was a Babylon B headline. It was Hamas terrorist, very saddened by the fact Western world won't listen to what he why he's saying he wants to kill all the Jews. You know, I mean, they, they have been unbashful in this. This is why they have programs called Pay to Slay, where they reward terrorists for killing random Jews. And, I mean, and and it's a, and, it's and ridiculous names, that he would otherwise. Yeah, I, I see. Like the solution might just be. Anyways, whatever. We don't. Well, want to... and the I mean, there have been two state solutions. On the table for close to a century. No, no, yeah, but and the Palestinians have been the ones to reject it no, every well, single and, time. And my theory is going to be a compelled two-state solution and have the international community come in as the well, government Well, that's where Trump was moving to, but the key to that was getting the uh, key Arab countries on board that now are not on board because of this incident. So, again, who really profited from this? Key Bono, Robert. Um, all right, what do we have next on the menu on the well, list? Well, speaking is of it? insane court processes... <laughs> Uh, great challenge brought by the Informed Consent Action Network and his counsel, uh, uh, that's Del Bigtree, and, uh, that's involved there, and his counsel, uh, Aaron Siri. <coughs> Children's Health Defense has also brought their own challenge. They're looking at bringing additional challenges, and it's to the PREP Act. This is what gives oh, yeah. immunity to all the big uh, vaccine manufacturing companies, uh, period, but they're bringing it as applied to the COVID vaccine injuries uh, in particular. Well, and so uh, at the risk of misrepresenting this one, they're challenging the, the, I guess we have to back it all the way up. What is the PREP Act, Robert? What was the intent of the PREP Act and how has it been abused in the context of COVID? So the PREP Act was passed to allow so-called emergency use authorizations and other aspects to be extended to all the childhood vaccines. And it said certain kinds of vaccines uh, are now immune from uh, any manufacturer is immune from suit, uh, no matter what bad acts they did. 
there's supposed to be a limited exception for willful misconduct, but they effectively gut that by having to get the U.S. government involved. If they don't sign off, you really can't get anywhere anyway. So the instead, you're put into this separate compensation program. But this compensation program, you have no right to a hearing, no notice of the evidence, no notice of even who's deciding your case, no, you're not a notice of what experts are being used. Uh, so it's a pure star chamber, black hole type proceedings judicially. No, none of the due process we normally require for any property right. And on top of that, the when they do issue award, well, they deny awards in 97% of cases. So most of the COVID vaccine injured are not being compensated. And when they do get an award, the average award is about $2,000. So it's a complete crock. So it's a complete joke. It was sold at the time that this would be a totally effective alternative to make sure we could get emergency assistance during a pandemic uh, that at the same time wouldn't uh, leave the injured out to, out to dry. So the uh, ICON has brought the suit challenging this as unconstitutional on two separate grounds. Fifth Amendment grounds and Seventh Amendment grounds. So uh, I have often, I, I've, I've been for this kind of challenge being brought. And I've been trying to encourage a range of people to look at it and debating it and discussing it with a range of people in, in our political and legal circles. Because to me, your state, your rights, I mean, I think there, I would add additional constitutional components. But this is Congress trying to take away a right you had at the time of the American Revolution, which was at the time of the Constitution which was your right as an individual supposed to be reserved to you under the Constitution. To petition uh, the government. Well, it's right to petition the government, but also for redress of grievances, right to a trial by jury, a right to all property and liberty being protected under due process of law under the Fifth Amendment, a right to trial by jury in the Seventh Amendment, but also your rights under the Ninth and Tenth Amendment that are preserved to you unless explicitly expressly given to the federal government. Which is, there's, there's nothing in there that says you can take away my right to sue somebody for screwing me. The right of negligence, tort, state law, common cause of action, common law cause of action has always been established and was there at the time of the Constitution. Nothing in the Constitution gave that power to Congress. So Congress just comes in and unilaterally strips everybody of it. And they unilaterally strip it and, and create a so-called substitute that's not a substitute at all. It's not a substitute by process. It's not a substitute by result. So you're losing who gets to decide the process. The way the process is decided is a crock. And you're denied your state property interest in your common law cause of action, which is protected under the Fifth Amendment. So I think there's first, fifth, seventh, ninth, and tenth amendment violations by this. They're bringing it under the Fifth and Seventh Amendment violations, and they're they're like, look, this proceed. Well, here's what's happened in the past: states have done certain. In some federal proceedings, have removed causes of action for select kinds of injuries, most commonly workers' compensation. They created a workers' compensation system so you could no longer privately sue. You instead had to go through the employer system, the workers' compensation payment system. However, the courts approved that because they said it was, quote, a reasonable substitute for the available alternative. Nothing about the, uh, the PrEP program is a reasonable alternative to your right to a jury trial to sue a vaccine manufacturer for the injury their negligence produced. You don't have, in the States, you don't have the... Um like the car accident type thing where you can't sue anybody individually because it's governed. You go to a, you go to a. a yeah, no, a, no. I mean, in fact, our personal injury lawyers can make almost all their money based on uh, personal injury accidents. Yeah, so that's that, 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 your ability to sue in, in court. This is what bankrupted it up in Canada where they had the uh, SAQ, the Société that does the automobile to the Quebec, whatever, where they basically took out uh, fault insurance, fault at the, on the roads. And you go into a bank, if you get injured, you go in and, 
typically the injury can be compensated, uh, manageable. But uh, yeah, the, the, it, it was. It has its pros and its cons. Coming to the vaccine injury, though, the Prep Act basically says, to, in order in order to um, incentivize these pharma companies to do this, you're going to be stripped of your rights to sue them or the government. Yeah, and, and so in in my view, that this was always unconstitutional. I've never understood how Congress purports to have the authority to take away from states and take away from individuals how this is governed. Their, their property interest in, in their common law cause of action, Justice Marshall and others in the past have pointed this out, that this wouldn't make sense and that the prior case law uh, doesn't go that far as this does. And, and the COVID context pre presents the most compelling case to challenge it and question it and, and contest it. And so we'll see. Uh, the you know the courts in the past have gone to great lengths to cover for these efforts of stripping people of their individual rights on behalf of powerful corporate interests. So we'll see if uh, the courts step up to the plate or fail once again. But you couldn't have a better, more compelling fact pattern than this. Yep. And constitutionally, they're absolutely correct. This was prep act was never constitutional in my view, and it's never been challenged, Robert. This is the first time aspects that will... have been challenged in the past, and the courts have been have refused to entertain it, but not on this scale. Now, I'm going to bring up this rumble rant only because it reminded me of something we haven't talked about. Adriana Valentino, Australia, says Barnes, look like he's, Barnes looks like he's lost 20 pounds. He looks slimmer. Robert, that's not why I brought it up. First of all, Valentino, thank you very much. I thought that was Ariadna. Robert, we didn't we did put this oh, on the yeah. menu. Uh, how do we not put this on the menu? Ariadna is now, is now authorized to sue uh, Taylor Lorenz for defamation because on on I forget which claim it was it doesn't really matter which she's now been authorized by the court to continue in her lawsuit against Taylor Lorenz the Washington Post for defamation among other things uh we should get her back on for a, an update on this but but that that was the good news that's what I thought that oh, yeah yeah the 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 New York Times and Taylor Lorenz uh you know defamed her libeled her invaded her privacy tried to destroy her business and tortiously interfered with it and she is going to get to the discovery stage of the case, pass the motion to dismiss with her amended complaint. So congratulations to her and on, good for law. Well, and on a limited, it's more limited. She doesn't get to go through all the complaints, but she doesn't need to go through all of them to get to discovery, which might, I don't know, potentially re redevelop. And I just want to say, why did I say that? It was Adriano Valentino, Australia. And I thought it said Adri uh, Ariadna. So that's the good news there. All right. Oh, and the other big news on the vaccine front is the first circuit revisiting its first amendment legislation this time involving the massachusetts uh, steamship uh, operators this was uh employees who were fired for not getting the jab sued it was dismissed back in 2022 um and it has been slightly overturned and remanded for further consideration robert uh, above and beyond that thirty thousand foot overview what was key it. here was what they're recognizing and the First Circuit is stepping back from its early direction that was just going to green light all of these restrictions. They already did it in the main context uh, where they step back and they said, well, if you're treating people differently based on whether they asserted a medical accommodation or religious accommodation, that would be First Amendment discrimination. And they recognize that's what was happening in Massachusetts. You got a medical accommodation. You were allowed to uh, work. If you ask for religious accommodation they said that's an undue burden you we can't allow you to work and the judges and the courts were finally recognized that doesn't make any sense that's treating religious 
uh, people different than medical people for no reason that's in the interest of the state policy. And so the First Circuit reversed and remanded on those issues. And they were trying to allege it was an undue burden somehow to give religious people accommodation, but it wasn't an undue burden to give medical people the same accommodation being sought. So it, it, it is religious discrimination, good reversal by the First Circuit. So those First Amendment claims against state action can go forward and also prevent and preclude future such mandates from the governmental level. But from a practical point of view, when it gets reversed and remanded, it goes back to the original judge who issued the wrongful ruling in the first place. Yeah. What does that mean that he, he has to reconsider it, reconsider the evidence. I think he'll get the clear direction that based on that, he's got to allow that part of the case to progress and proceed. Okay. Oh, and we got one more from uh, Adriano Valentino. Australia says, I love you guys. Viva Barnes. Let's go, Brandon. Oh, who remembers Let's Go, Brandon? Okay. Uh, Robert, what do we have next? Oh, 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 what's left is answering questions at the after party on Locals. So now hold on one second. Let me just see. We're, we're Okay, so we are... Um, let me see what's going on in Locals. There's a lot of... Oh, my goodness. There's a lot of stuff in Locals. I'm going to give everybody the link to Locals. Jeez, it's like, it's so amazing. My, my wife is back and I'm not getting bombarded by children anymore. <laughs> because it's, parenting is a two-person job, people, and a, and a, and a full-time one at that. Okay, what we're going to do, I'm going to thank everyone for being here. Robert, do you have any appearances coming up next week? Uh, anything of interest? I don't think so. Uh, are you going to go on the Duran? Uh, have you been on the Duran recently? Uh, no, at some point we'll be back on with them. Okay. The, uh, uh, we were on and got... Uh, America's Untold Stories over the 100,000 oh. subscriber mark uh, with Eric Hunley and Mark Robert on Friday. Now, people want to poo-poo on me, not necessarily you. I don't know what, what flack you deal with. Why are you promoting YouTube? Look, people, it's a monumental milestone, whether you love or hate YouTube. Let them enjoy it. Let them get there. Let them get there. This, this is what it turns into. It turns into something that sits under your table, stuck to a... Stuck to a... Who's this? A Peter Frampton album. Let him get there. It's a beautiful thing. It's marketable. It's monetizable. And it's actually just value added all around. They got to the 100,000. It might take them a little time for YouTube to recognize it. YouTube oh. might say, we don't recognize it. Who knows? Sorry, what were One you last say? component of the vaccine cases, the uh, federal government had to write a $1.8 million check to the lawyers who successfully beat them in the vaccine mandate cases down in Florida. Well, good for them. They paid that with whose money, Robert? <laughs> with taxpayer dollars. I say that it's good. Maybe they'll disincentivize them to you know do that in the future. Um, so what we're going to do right now, I'm going to give everybody the link one more time. Come on over to Viva Barnes Law locals.com and we're going to have the after party you can think of supporting us and you can think of not supporting us just becoming one of the members above average um see the and, meme uh, let me, i'm gonna see it in two seconds and we'll all see it in two seconds if you come over there i'm ending this stream on rumble this week uh public square ceo interview on friday i've got somebody coming on wednesday i don't remember who it is i'm still working on vivek ramaswamy it's gonna happen and I'm going to say it's going to happen now because I'm going to put some pressure on. It's going to happen. I'll try for this week. So stay tuned, everybody. It's going to be amazing. Ending on Rumble, vivabarneslaw.locals.com now. Okay, now let's see. Robert, am I naked? I, I, I was told there was a meme of me being naked on Locals. Oh, no, there was one that for Halloween suggested you putting up uh, candy Vendi things. You know, <laughs> if you want the candy, you got to put in 25 cents. Uh, okay, that's not that's not bad. I just I, I heard something bad, and I don't know that if it was totally on... screw with kids' heads. 
<laughs> do, do, you, do, you, do you ever do the taxation thing for the kids? On so Halloween? Bring back the candy, say, ah, half has to go to this government, 10% over to that government. No, I just, I just eat it in the middle of the night when nobody's looking, and then I feel ashamed of myself in the morning. All right, now we're going to, Robert, I'm going to, I'm going to, I, I think I'm at the beginning um, of our Rumble rants. We got AB Ohio, which stands for Alberta, Ohio, 17, $5. says, I know Robert has picked his horse with Jeff Snyder, but diversity of ideas is good for all of us in the audience. Lungo's point about the change in dynamics of the Euro, geez, I'm, I've lost, about the Euro dollar market post Libor has merit and he too was on the jeff snyder train till that point please give this a listen and reconsider him as a guest more sure. voices and points of view but i i i'm gonna have to reread that one multiple times later mighty pay five dollars says robert is it legal and what can be done about biden forcing banks to take loan applications from illegal aliens i don't know yeah i gotta study some of that the, I, the, i'm sure america first legal will bring action if there's an action to be brought there but uh, I don't yet know the full scale of what's taking place there. And then we got scientists invested a wristband that converts strength, stress into electricity. And it's a wristband. And then Viva, after wearing it for five minutes, and it's Thor? The guy, some, some from Thor. Okay. Uh, fields mow. This looks like Bill Brett. My goodness, Bill. How do, you, how do you mow fields like that? And do you want to know what my neurosis is? How do you know that you're not killing a ton of frogs while you do that? I would feel bad about the frogs. Okay, uh, that's my neurosis. Okay, Bill Brown. We got Julie underscore O says $5. I have to say, Grobear is a POS after posting stuff about RFK Jr.'s wife's suicide and his family members. You have a policy disagreement. Great, but he's gone off the deep end. I don't know about that. I know that he was complaining that uh, the new... Uh, campaign manager is deep state um, honeypot. Oh, that's the uh, uh, yeah, that's his daughter-in-law, who's been very ant. She's like Joe Kent. So Joe Kent was former CIA. That doesn't mean anything to me. I mean, he's in fact he's been very critical of deep state policies and would be a great congressman. And uh, RFK's daughter-in-law has been the same way. But hold been on. very critical. So RFK's I get the, the people wanting to imagine that somehow <laughs> Robert Kennedy is a deep state candidate. Sorry, that 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 that's just not. There's no credibility to that whatsoever. It, do, it doesn't make it doesn't make sense to me either, unless no. it's like a double super longy. People fake could fake. disagree with whether Robert Kennedy, who he, you know, there's people on the Trump side who think Robert Kennedy's too critical or dismissal of Trump, but that's you know that that's who Robert but, Kennedy is. So what? But hold on a second. Did Robert F. Kennedy's wife commit suicide? I had no idea. Oh no, that was his second wife uh, years ago committed suicide. Yeah. Do, uh, not to say there's any good reason. Was there a reason? Was she sick? Oh, well, it... there was a smear campaign launched against Robert Kennedy not long after her death. And it was around the time Robert Kennedy uh, was considering running for the Senate in New York. So, I mean, there are certain people that have never wanted him to ever seek office. And they they try to uh, link the two. And that, that shows how nasty that side of the aisle was. Well, is there any... Robert, is there any hush hush that it might not have been? Oh no, 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 it's it's suicide. Oh no, no, it, it, no. She, she was she suffered from depression. Okay, that's terrible, and I didn't I didn't know any of that. Um, Ice knee twenty one oh three five dollars. Any chance of getting a rerun on the politics ruins everything hoodie? Mine is showing its age, and I and it need a replacement. I, I I'll we'll figure that out. I I. I'm not wearing that one. I'm wearing I'm wearing the Viva Barnes Law University, waiting for the attorney James attorney Leticia James to come after us, Robert. It's not a real university. Uh, okay, Ganfit says I feel for Israel and my sympathy goes out to them. However, I have a hard time advocating for Israel and sending them aid 
over Hawaii. Uh, it sounds wrong, I guess, but America first. I, 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 I have nothing but absolute sympathy. And in, in, I've, been, I've been feeling ill all week and I've had nightmares every night. But I don't believe uh, ordering the evacuation of a million Palestinians and then what, see what happens is going to do anything. It's not going to do anything. And seeing the international support that Hamas has, even of those who know what they do, well, my goodness, okay, er you can eradicate everyone out of that area. You're going to have a new form of terrorism, call it Hamas 2.0, and it'll be global and, and, and see what happens. Um, there's a picture of um, Ben Shapiro. And I don't know what that means. What's D-O-C-T? Oh, have you heard my wife's a doctor? Okay, fine. I got that. Oh, sorry, that was a $1, but it's from Ithaca. Okay. Mandalici, $5. I can't take sides except with the innocent victims. I will choose to say that anyone that wants to kill another based on solely on who their God is, evil. We got a $50 tip from Pete to base. I hope that's not a typo. In loving, in loving memory of my aunt and uncle, shut up, who were slaughtered in Israel. Yeah, yeah, we have, we have board members who had people who died there. It's I I I try and, not and by the way, it's clearly Hamas planned on something much larger. I don't know if you saw the weapon stashes that they gathered. It was thousands of weapons. I don't they know, but planned I, on this being ten about a hundred times scale. That was the original plan here. I, I, I the thing is, I have a friend who's sending me. I'll I'll just go back so I can see one myself. I have a friend who sends me links to Telegram, and I I can't I can't watch those. I can't I can't watch it anymore. But and for those people out there doubting it, there's all kinds of video documentation. The History Legends guy went through it, and he he didn't recommend anybody look at it. He goes, but there's zero question of the horror that took place. No, and and, and, the, and you know there's there's even the advanced meetings. I can't watch people planning this. I I. I Oh, and, yeah. and I've got I've got immediate. It's friends. who they are. It's who they've been for over a century. The political leader, not all Palestinians, the political leadership of the Palestinian cause has had the same universal objective to uh, eliminate all Jews from the Middle East. And they've been unbashful about this. Take them at their word. Respect their agency. Don't do what others do and pretend they don't really say it. They don't really mean it. They must be secretly controlled. No, this is who they are. They've said so. Um, this is. Oh, Seishan SP, $5, says, first, love you guys. Second, love seeing Viva on spaces. Just was Robert would show up and destroy sometime. Also, one day I'll put Viva on some fish. Florida Panhandle, let's go. Well, let me just go ahead and screen grab that because I've never said no to being put on fish. Um, we got Avakan says, little known fact, Muhammad Amin al-Hussein had two nephews, Yasser Arafat and Saddam Hussein. Yeah. I, it was I, family I, related to the same sort of clique of... Uh, that were made wealthy under the Ottoman Empire with a lot of uh, land ownership. And that's where, I mean, originally, by the way, he didn't care really about this issue. He was a pan-Arab nationalist who wanted to be part of a greater Syria. It was after that failed that he converted the, Pal he created, frankly, the Palestinian cause as a cause. Didn't really exist prior to him. And it probably never would have existed if the French would uh, would not have precluded the development of a greater Syria. And there, it was all the, I mean, that's where there is Western manipulation by the British government in particular uh, into picking sides back and forth. They wanted to manipulate the local politics uh, one time, you know, with the Royalists, another time with the Israelis, another time with the Palestinians, another time with somebody else. They've been doing this for over a century now thinking they can manipulate access to the resources of the region that way. 
And all they've done is bred more and more conflict and more and more problems. Well, the, the, uh, to quote George Orwell, the war was not meant to be won. It was meant to be permanent or perpetual. Yes, yes. Denise and two five dollars says, I love that Locals is now allowing live stream rewind. But can you ask about being able to watch it faster speed to catch up? OK, I'll, I'll ask him. Also, any news on when Roku will get Locals live streaming? I'll get you two answers this week, Denise Ann. DTQC with a variation of uh, soft time says, from chaos arise champions, from champions arise elites, from elites arise corruption, from corruption arise chaos. Yep, it's a circle of life. Bill Brown, rules, I don't play by no stinking rules. I think that it says rooks, but I think it's supposed to be rules. Uh, Avocane says, $5, should media outlets be allowed to lie and defame under free speech? And shouldn't there be a proper legal? When are they going to over overturn uh, New York Times versus Sullivan? Like that—that's that's the one. Oh, I'm I'm not in, I'm not in favor of that. Okay, uh, because because you know how it will be used. Well, yeah, it's not like they'll 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 really hold New York Times responsible. <laughs> they'll start saying us ordinary people now are subject to a negligence standard and can be sued into oblivion. So that I I agree with the actual malice standard for statements about matters of public import concerning people of. Uh, uh, of a public reputation. I, 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 that's not really the problem. The problem is the court's selective enforcement of it. Okay, so that, that's and that selective like... enforcement gets a lot worse if you tell them that negligence is now the standard because they'll still find ways to protect big media. They'll just now say the ordinary person can get sued for forever. Yeah, well, that's, I, I thought the New York Times Sullivan would have been that the media has sort of additional protections, whereas it it's not only the media. No, it's anybody, any individual who speaks about a subject of uh, about someone that's in the public and uh, someone that's uh, uh, the uh, matter of public. Okay, fine, fine, fine. That, so that, it, it benefits everybody. And I get conservatives have rallied around. They often see it cited by courts in support of big media institutions, but they're missing cause and effect. Those same courts do what they did in. Washington Post, they find other excuses as well. And this is uh, this is a uh, back with Avocado says too long. Don't read as the left is using free speech as a weapon against us. I have um, we have we taken free speech too far? We got Bill Brown showing us some marijuana. That was a, that was a one dollar. I'm looking at it now. We got plant nerd. Ten dollars says didn't Colorado join the Electoral College compact whereby yeah. whereby the electoral voted to go to the popular vote winner? I think that's true, but that only is enforced if uh, enough states join it and enough states haven't joined it. We've got Susie C. Five dollars says thank you both. That's an easy one to respond to. Oh, Zach, it's three dollars, but I'll read it. I feel so bad for Trump. He must be made of stone to endure what he is going through. I hope things work out for him. Thank you both for outstanding work for us. Thank you very much. B. Oh, I, BT Spyglass, that sounds like a dude. Dershowitz is just a little more insane than Tribe. Dersh will still vote for F. Joe Biden. Knowing Obama, F. Joe Biden are pro-Iranian. Dersh was wrong on forcing the jab, has said nothing. Now it is clear uh, it was a fraud hoax vaccine. Barnes, you are 100 times the lawyer Dersh is. I think everybody knows that. Grayson 99. Did you see the guys on the All In podcast realization this week? that Trump was actually a pretty great president. They are usually all pretty anti-Trump, including David Sachs lately. I take it as a sign of things to come. From your mouth to God's ears, I'll tell you what, uh, Jedi Boer, $4 tip, but I think it means $5. The whole Hunter Biden laptop was entered as evidence in the Senate House. Ah, 
Didn't that make it public record then? Robert? It's a good point. Maybe. <laughs> the Shadow knows $5. I'd look at pharma companies too since they clearly benefit from the mental health deluge. These social media... But the pharma. How about the tra- the transition doctors? And that, that entire industry was born out of TikTok pushing that mental illness on children. There's no, there's no question about it. Hashtag not medical advice when we put this on YouTube later on. Uh, S. Reed Dallas 94, $5. If the lawsuit against big tech in terms of the social media being addictive and ultimately harmful is successful, what would be the impact on big food in terms of the chemicals of high, high fructose corn syrup added to the food to make it addictive and ultimately harmful? Uh, type 2 diabetes. Robert, that's an interesting point. Uh, I mean, the, that's not governed by the PrEP Act. That, uh, that has other federal preemption issues, which is separate and independent. So it would not be directly impacted by the suit. Uh, Conroe90 says, just say Trump supports drag shows. <laughs> See what happens. $5. $5 from FSterling91. In reference to your summer comment about Florida, it's on the license plates, endless summers. You were warned by the government, no less. And my wife says, like, I'll take the endless summer. She came back from Canada. It's like, it's depressing already. The sun goes down early, rises late. It's cold. You don't go outside. Depressing. Uh, Sam Hammer, $5. Can you speak on Eric July's trademark case regarding, regarding ISOM? I want to remember what that means. Comic book and the Good Shepherd. I know nothing about it, Robert. Are you following? Uh, I do not know about that. Okay. I'll look into it. Let me just screen grab that. And then we got, uh, Boomerang, Bomerga, Boamaga, 22. $5. Robert Barnes, does the revenge porn laws cover AI removal? That's what... I wasn't trying to be funny. Like, I couldn't find the naked pictures of oh. uh, Paul's wife. I thought they might have been altered. What does it do? Well, AI is uh, not copyrightable. That's why a lot of people are using them now in thumbnails. Uh, so nobody can sue you over the use of an AI. And if it alters... Image. if it, If someone says, give me an AI image of Viva's face on... Oh, I don't know. It would depend, I think, uh, would it define an image of that person? That That... That it, it may be outside the revenge porn laws if it's not actually the person. I was gonna, I, I couldn't even think of a, a, a well. It, I couldn't it, think of a well endowed. It is the yeah. I'm just I'm just trying to think of a well endowed porn actor, and I couldn't come up with one offhand. So never mind. If if my face is on a naked body, people, it's not me. Uh, okay, we got see the see the see the veil. Barnes, Viva, when are you going to have Max Blumenthal on? As you've been very critical of his viewpoints on Israel and Palestinians. It's time to have a... Dude, well, first of all, Robert, I don't know if you would welcome a discussion with Max Blumenthal. I'd like to have him on, but I know the limits of my own knowledge. Uh, let me see here. He says, it's time to have a fair and equal discussion on topics of the entire history of how Hamas was created, who created it, who declared war first, how much, ge- how much the generals of Israel truly control Hamas as they created Hamas. What is the truth? Too many times Republicans have their viewpoints. Excuse me, Democrats have theirs and religion. Let me, let me. Yeah, except I mean, all that is Hamas was not created by Israel. Hamas represents a long-standing viewpoint in the Palestinian. This is a constant effort to deny Palestinian agency. That that's what they're all doing. They're pretending the Palestinians have no power in this. That they've just always been powerless for a century and a half that they didn't voluntarily align with the Nazis. They didn't well, voluntarily sure. commit to these. They have the same, they, they've had these principles for forever. So it is fair to be critical of third parties taking sides in these internal Arab fights that ended up backfiring on them. That's a absolutely fair criticism. But it's like percent, pretending the Taliban wouldn't have existed but for the West. 
It wouldn't have existed well, without, and I guarantee, and Hamas absolutely existed independent of the West. But and efforts to control them have failed. What, but what of the argument that the Taliban would have existed, but it wouldn't have existed at the force it did had they not been funded by the West when the West thought they could be used as a, as a useful tool? And so, well, that's I, more the Mujahideen. The Mujahideen were used against the Soviet Union. But, and, and there's aspects that can be credible to the Taliban going all the way back to the late 70s, the loss of Iran, the promotion. But I got a whole hush-hush on Islamo, the real origins of Islamo-fascism and who helped propagate them. But what it ignores is why this idea is popular in certain parts of the Arab world. And that's what all the people who are wanting to pretend, let's just pretend Hamas wouldn't exist, but for Israel are ignoring. They're ignoring Palestinian agency. No, I, I uh, listen I'm... to their, they're, they're polling. They do mass polling. They're, there's not, they're, they're, there's a reason why there was no sympathy in Gaza for what took place, even when Muslims were killed by Hamas. There was none. Well, no, and there was none I, in the West Bank. They celebrated. They cheered. I mean, why, look at how Hamas is how confident they are. Why are they video recording this and broadcasting this to their audience? Some of the horrors they did, because they know it's popular, not because it's unpopular. And that's what all the Hamas apologists and Palestinian apologists don't want to admit, because they're too caught up, obsessed, hating Israel to just look at the reality of it. Now, again, that doesn't mean you have to become reflect. You have to become Ben Shapiro and think Israel matters more than the United States. But at the same time, don't pretend that Hamas isn't who Hamas is and that that doesn't represent a large part of the Palestinian community and represent a permanent... Yeah, that's why I, in the uh, Barnes briefs earlier with the uh, at, uh, here on our board, I put up the history of al-Husseini. I was like, Hamas is just a continuation of al-Husseini, just a kind of constant continuation. They use the same language. They use the same commitments. They quote from the same parts of the of various aspects of Islamic religious texts. The parts that say "kill the Jew," that says the tree and the stone want to kill the Jew. I mean, there's. I mean, pretending well, that came from Israel. Israel invented it. I mean, no, come but on. Was, I, I can understand the idea that they became a useful weapon, depending on the government. If you don't want to recognize a Palestinian state, continue to fund. Hamas. Oh, sure. And they've been playing. We've been playing that game forever. And absolutely, those are stupid ideas. And, and, and my skepticism of Netanyahu thought going into Iraq would be good. No, it wasn't. Thought going into Syria was going to be good. No, it wasn't. I mean, all these game playing of one side versus the other has constantly backfired. I mean, part of where the Taliban came from was the radicalization of, of, of Wahhabi Islam, which is extended to Pakistan, which comes from Saudi Arabia because we wanted to counter the effect of Iran. Yeah, these people are idiots. Uh, no doubt about that. But that isn't why... Hamas has power in Palestine. It has power because it represents the dominant political belief system of the Palestinian people that has been uninterrupted for more than a century. All right, we got Gwyneth. Gwyneth, $5 says, Barnes, are congressional term limits constitutional? I think your answer is going to be no. I think yes, but the Supreme Court's already Damn. said otherwise. Damn it, I'm so stupid, Robert. Okay. And then we got Box O'Rocks. What happened with Wisconsin case listed? What happened with the Wisconsin case listed? Wisconsin case what? Uh, the, what happened with the Wisconsin case listed? Was that on our list tonight for the uh, for the main? I'll screen I don't remember grab a Wisconsin case being listed. Me neither. I don't. I, I, oh, I know got... that people are asking about the impeachment proceedings of the the Supreme Court judge there, but I don't know enough yet to to. Uh, but we will at some point include it in the Sunday show. We got, how about everyone here 
on locals join a class action against the prep act that's from well that's effectively what the icon suit already is by the way and we got usa now it's a 1.2 dollars but i'm going to read it because it said wrong viva the 100,000 was so they can get guest interview that wouldn't oh that's okay that's interesting for uh eric hunley and grobert and by the way i think i would be fishing with grobert later this week we'll, we'll see what happens doug ryland ten dollars says thoughts on department of justice telling banks they can't deny a loan to illegal immigrants solely on illegal immigrant status robert how does that work i, I all the uh, stuff that's going on with illegals i'm not sure of in terms of federal support and subsidy so i've seen stories about it but i don't know enough to meaningfully comment yet all, all that I know is I couldn't get a loan to, to lease a car. <laughs> so, okay. Merchant Marine says, it seems the lawless push for unlawful government actions until stopped by the courts. They are also held harmless because done in official capacity. How can we as taxpayers go after these types of government employees? Can we charge them a percentage of the government fees? That's from Merchant Marine. Unfortunately, the, you know, the, uh, it's difficult to contest these outside of limited circumstances. We got Freddie K, $5, eyes open, busy unsubscribing bad actors, but all good, good here. Thank you very much. Bob Soapdish, $7, as a Browns fan, the only white pill I need is Cleveland toppling the Browns, the 49ers. Yeah, they won it. today. Yeah, it was one of the bets at sports picks. Thatlocals.com was the Cleveland Browns today, gotcha. and they, they came in, he, uh, cashed that ticket, which was nice. Yael Rivka, $10, says, prayers for the hostages using these names, please and thank you. Prayers for the, and I'm looking at all the names here. And I know that I, I look, I took, I took some flack and I'm not, I don't care about it when I said, because I, I, I chalk what happened in Israel up to being an intelligence failure for which the hostages should not be expected to suffer. Trade, well, trade your, if you can guarantee, if this happened under Trump, media would be running nightly things showing the hostages. Instead, they've a, mostly not covered the number. They've minimized coverage over the a number of Americans killed and held hostage. I, I've, that, this is from Yael Rivka, but I, I, I've seen enough videos to be sick to my stomach and have nightmares every night for the last week. Oh yeah. Um, I, I would. I would. I know it's terrible to say. I would trade whomever they want, give them the hostage, the, the prisoners you have, get your hostages back. It's an intelligence failure for which those hostages should not be expected to suffer. And then dedicate the rest of your existence to tracking down each and every one of them and killing them extrajudicially if you have to. But the bottom line is you live next to Hamas and you know they want to kill you and you let this happen. It's an intelligence failure in addition to an act of an atrocity. And those hostages should not be expected to suffer for your government failure. That's my view and I appreciate yes. people will not think it's right. Robert Barnes, Viva Fry, did you catch the article about the guy from Kenya successfully litigated like 26 cases before they discovered his lack of license? <laughs> Just goes to show how important licensure is. That's from Rockahora. Um, we got $5 from Ryan PD911. It has already been written. The world gets worse and worse every day, but in the end, Jesus wins. Enjoy the ride. From your mouth to God's ears, and I'll say that, no pun intended, Ryan PD. Ryan PD 911. Uh, Freddie York, $10 says, bro, I'm right here down the street. I can put you up to fish. Let's go. Let me screen grab that right now. Just, 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 just screen grab. Uh, we got, um, I'm going to skip the $1. Not to be a bastard, just because we got to get to the end of this. Frank Beans. Frank Beans. That's, that's got to be a, a, there's something about Mary reference. Why are you still talking like Biden is the Democrat candidate? I feel Gavin Newsom is clearly the real candidate and they are keeping him under wraps as long as possible due to his record of failure. Yeah. I know you've talked I, about this, Robert. 
Yeah, no chance because Democrats know he's more unpopular, uh, much more unpopular than Biden in the Midwest, and in fact, more unpopular than Kamala Harris in many of those surveys. So he he's a non-starter. We got Freddie York says, "I got you. Got to catch Pelagic from a kayak. I got you. Let's do this." Then we got Ali Michael five dollars. Please ask locals about their do not send list. They put my they put my email on it, and I stopped getting your stream notifications. They never notified me. It's ridiculous since I'm paying. I'll ask them. Guaranteed. Promise. Uh, we got Hendy eighty one five bucks. Came late to the stream, but I had an epiphany this week. Remember, one of the documents Trump is in trouble for is the invasion plan of Iran. We might actually get to see that play out in real time. Dude, I'm stealing this. I'm not stealing this, but what I am going to do is share this on social media because our locals, subscribers, and members are above average. Robert, that's, that's crazy. Now I'm, now I'm thinking about it. Hmm. Okay, I have to, I'm going to digest that. Hello from Horseheads New York, my favorite weekly show. That's Oily J. And I think we're at the end. Maybe we're not. The Electoral Compact is blatantly unconstitutional from Ryan PD911. Let me refresh and see if we have not gotten to the end of all of the tips. Because I... Th- oh, geez, Louise. Okay. Um, hold on. Tipped? What the heck? Come on, man. Okay, I'm going to... Hold on, Robert. I'm having a problem here. View all. Now view tipped. There we go. I'm going to scroll from the bottom up. Dan underscore Sundin. It's a link to a Pacer monitor. It says Minnesota District Court. Okay, so this is Motor Vehicles Act. Robert, I guess you'll we'll, 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 we'll Interesting. screen grab that. We got uh, Brad Crockett. The media is not reporting on the people killed in Maui either. Yeah, they've just forgotten about that. It's like Lahaina's yep. dumb. Ryan1594 or Ryan B1594, 10 bucks says there's a reason why all Muslim capital cities were demonstrating their support for Hamas and or Palestine. And and England and Canada and some places yeah. in America. The Muslim countries would love to see Israel wiped off the map. More Muslim leaders saying Israel better not do versus Muslim leaders condemning Hamas. My theories, get the UN in there and get a third-party international government in, in uh, Gaza and you'll have a peace resolution sooner than later. Jeanette Victoria, the problem with these net with these people trying to blame Israel is they clearly have never read the Quran. It is part of the Muslim faith to murder Jews. I took Arabic in JC. The problem with that, just to play devil's advocate, is there's a lot of stuff in the Old Testament, the New Testament, about stoning your neighbors, stoning infidels, stoning uh, cheaters. There's a lot of stuff in I, my theory is that religions are older versus newer, and yeah. the newer religions have well, the same. Go yeah, the, the, I want to say the big difference with this is that. There was a resurgence of interest in fundamentalism within the Jewish, Christian, and Muslim traditions at the end of the 19th century. The only difference is the Orthodox, the more extreme elements of the Orthodox Judaic tradition and the more extreme aspects of fundamentalist Christian traditions did not obtain political power. By contrast, the fundamentalist traditions of the Islamic uh, uh, tradition did gain power. And so that's where like certain literal components that you could interpret as justifying things in the Bible or in the, uh, uh, or in the, in the, in the Talmud. I mean, I'm going to say Ta- Well, the Talmud is, a, is different than the Old Testament, but yeah, the Talmud has some bad it, stuff. Either the it. Jewish text or the Christian text, they don't have political power. The Islamic radical interpretate do. So those literal, so that literal interpretation is constant. I mean, Hamas uses it over and over again. And that's the different component is 
what the rest of the world rejected a return to the most extreme version of the funda fundamentalist sects within those religious traditions, but not in Islam. And I mean, it was, I mean, all this, are, it's kind of odd how the whole thing developed to a certain degree because it was the late end Turkish empire trying to explain various Islamic clerks who created the, in, the ideas that animated the Muslim brotherhood of which Hamas is a spinoff uh, explicitly by its own terms. The, it is that, they were trying to explain it and they said, well, you know, we weren't fundamentalist enough. We, we didn't impose Sharia law. That's, that's why we're, we're losing power in the Arab world, in the Islamic world. And that same argument was being made within both the Jewish and Christian traditions of the late 19th century. Just neither one of them ended up with majority power anywhere. They did in Islam. And I'm, gonna, I'm going back to the bottom now. It says, Bayanula says $5. You and the fam should check out Venice Marina. It's the fishing capital of the world. Oh, the Venice Marina, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to screen grab that. Shadow knows the Electoral Compact is a blatant ploy of mediocre classes in the bureaucracies of the cities to usurp power from the people who actually produce. Should be seen as an attempt to undermine the Republic, in my humble opinion. Appreciate your work, guys. From This is from Pile G99. Okay. Oh, this is from Christina5. Hey, Viva, could you please ask why Locals is no longer live on Amazon Fire? Uh, it was up until three weeks ago. Hold on, screen grab that. Okay. Now, hold on. Get, 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 get over here. Oh, gosh. I just, just bashed a dog in the head with my mic, I think. Okay. Now, let me go all the way up. Go all the way up to the top. Um, came late to the stream. Epiphany. We got that one. Please ask. Do not send. Yeah. Um, okay. We got that. We got that. Barnes. Uh, well, hold on one second. No, I think. Did I do it? Bro, I'm right here down the street. Okay. We did it. We did it, Robert. If I missed any, I apologize. Let me refresh and just make sure. Um, Robert, I think we've done it all. Sweet. There's a fish. There's a fish. Mm, this little dog. Uh, Canada. Okay. We, that's a fish from Riverbanker, and it, it's a big, it looks like a steelhead salmon. Let me make sure that we have not missed any tips. Nix 5.5. Viva, please mediate a discussion between Barnes and Horton. To clarify and identify areas of disagreement. I know I think Horton's expressed himself, and I don't think anyone's going to be confused about his thoughts. I um Blumenthal might be more interesting. Um okay, Robert. Well, yeah, he, I mean he was on Tim Pool and uh, I think it was on Tim Pool. Maybe it was it was PBD, it was somewhere, but the uh I've followed those guys for a long time, including Aaron Mate and others. Uh I don't find I don't find it a topic that's capable of meaningful discussion or debate in general probably the closest you would get these days not in the past frequently but these days would be glenn greenwald yeah. greenwald might be because greenwald's highlighting issues of censorship and the rest that's a legitimate uh i think it's the most persuasive on that side of the aisle he has not unlike blumenthal and mate and ritter and others jumped on certain bandwagon aspects of the Palestinian cause. He's focused on let's not use this as a pretext to censor, which I agree with. Joel Pollack, to his credit, came out and opposed it. Vivek came out and said we shouldn't get we shouldn't join cancel culture because we like who's getting canceled now. And I I, I agree with all of that. And so the uh and then you know Mark Levin keeps going nuts. Ben Shapiro keeps going nuts. They're playing into their adversaries with this over the top rhetoric. Yeah. Uh, and then some were adopting the language of the of Hamas. I mean, saying, "Oh no, all of them are guilty." There's a collective guilt. Yeah, I'm no, like, er, 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 eradicate. I don't, I don't like that word. Oh, Even yeah, when you talk about, 
Uh, now, I, I've seen a few that I missed before, Robert. Handy 815 says, as an MD, I firmly believe that all of these doctors who continue to push transgender affirm affirmation deserve capital punishment for negligence, malpractice, not medical advice, uh, breaking the Hippocratic Oath and ruining children's lives. They're not doctors. They're money-hungry jackasses. And then I mean, we got big election results this weekend. It was coming. Louisiana, a new Louisiana governor is the Louisiana attorney general that's brought a lot of great cases. So that that's really positive news. I think there are good election results out of uh, Poland so far. Good election results. I think an Australia referendum and New Zealand, that commie, her government got overthrown. <laughs> yeah, just, so just, nice. Jacinda, Jacinda, whatever her last name is. Sammy, $8 says six out of the 10 highest subscribed to YouTube channels, target appeals to kids one through 15. The other three are Indian channels. YouTube wields those views, daily numbers like a sledgehammer. Maybe that's the reason they promote addictive uh, algorithms to kids. Coco Milan, yep. A couple of kids, I do it, I know all of these. Mr. Beast, Markiplier, WWE, I know all of these. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And the electoral combat. Okay, so we've done it, Robert. Oh, wait, no, one more. Viva, please, no, that's it. Okay, Robert. We gotta do it before my wife comes and kills me. And Winston needs to go for a walk. He still likes the smell of my breath, which is a good sign. Mm. Uh, Robert, we've done it. It was a great night, a great show. You might make it in for the uh, for the premiere. Yeah. Well, I gotta. I'm gonna go guilt you privately, so you, you'll come. We'll, we'll. We'll. It'll be a menage a trois with my wife. It'll be my date night with you and my wife, all at once. That well, yeah. Gross. There might be some uh, folks joining me too. Well, then it'll be. I think a bunch of people are. I think a bunch of people are coming to this. Uh, okay, dude, this is gonna be awesome. Let, let's make it happen. Bro. I think Trump is supposed to be in town too. I don't know if he'll be there for that, but I know he's a. I think he's at Mar-a-Lago that same, uh, same time period. Okay, well, it, it'll be amazing, Robert. And you have a place to stay if you don't mind dog poop, children screaming. Uh, although I haven't heard anything for a while. All right, we're gonna end it. Uh, tomorrow, I may not be live tomorrow, but sooner than later, people. Uh, VivaBardsLaw.Locals.com. Viva Fry for merch. Everybody out there, thank you for being here. Enjoy the night. Peace out. See you soon.